Whenever you are and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsors this week, Brooklinen and Simple Contacts. They bring the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who has this to say. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. We often start the show with something serious, and um, this week is no exception. I am Christian Spicer, and not only are my Houston Rockets an inferior team to Jeff's Golden State Warriors, but the very fact that I like the Rockets shows just how bad my taste in all things is and should make everyone question every single opinion I express on this show. So I, I know it's a kind of a somber start to a show, but I, I had I just had to tell everybody. I'm that. glad you finally... uh I finally are admitting it. It seems like you've really made a breakthrough this week. Uh, a breakthrough that involved our wager, which, uh, my Warriors won and now are, are just, uh, moving on to, uh, get another championship. I'm um, sorry about your, your Rockets, Christian, but, uh, exciting game seven. I'm just glad they always knew what the score was, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess that's, if, if there are ways to win and ways to lose, uh, there are, there, there are, there are good ones and there are bad ones. Uh, but it's been a fun, uh, a fun NBA postseason, at least for me. Um, speaking of the wager and St. Jude Children's Hospital, all in all, you guys raised just about 3500 bucks to help kids fight cancer, which is incredible. Thank you to everybody that donated. Uh, phenomenal. And I will be dyeing my hair purple on Friday. Yeah, your statement then, is was not even the the worst of your consequences. You're You're going full perp. Going full perp. I'll be eating some baby food on stream later this month and then doling out other things like digital codes for my albums. All that stuff's going to happen now, June, after uh, the fundraising ended in May. You can still, of course, donate to St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital, and you know I encourage that. But if you're waiting, blah, 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 blah. Hair turns purple Friday. You'll see it uh, next week's show. I can't wait, man. I can't wait for purple-haired Christian. Uh, have you ever done anything like that? Have you ever dyed your hair weird color before? Yeah, yeah. A lot of college, a lot of track, a lot right. of funny hairs for meats. Yeah. Well, uh, this is a very, very exciting episode. Of course, uh, it's our last episode before E3, the biggest week in video gaming. And we are going to dive all the way in. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, DLC stands for decoding the lineups at the convention. Because we have our big pre-E3 predictions this week, although we're finding out a lot of things. We don't need to predict much because it's all leak, leak, leaking. But the good news is we have an awesome guest to do it with. You know you know him from GameRant.com. You know him from the many appearances on this show. Our go-to guy and dependable longtime contributor, Anthony Tower Mina. Welcome back to the show. 
Hi, I'm Christian Spicer, and not only are my Houston Rockets an inferior... <laughs> hey, Jeff, how's it going? Hi, guys. I didn't lose any bet because I never would have bet against the Golden State Warriors because wow. that's foolish. <laughs> well, I'm sorry your city doesn't have a professional sports team. It was at one point your city too, Christian. Yeah, of course. <laughs> that's why you left. <laughs> Uh, no, um, we have we have lots to talk about, guys. This is going to be awesome. We're going to do news, a lot of which is E3 related, and then we're going to dive straight into a full on E3 predictions. We're going to march through what we expect to see from uh, from the big presenters, from the big press conferences, from all the surprises, and maybe make some foolish predictions about that stuff. Uh, and then we'll talk about the games we're playing because we all are playing some awesome games as well. So let's get right into it and start the show the way we always do. With story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting our subreddit. That's 5x5dlc.reddit.com. A lot of people did. A lot of people submitted a lot of stuff. And most of the stuff this week is actually E3 hype. So even though it's just coming up later in its own segment, I feel like we have to, we just have to play the hype train bumper now. Love this time of year just for that. Um, <laughs> Sean Madigan, of course, made that. And I want to thank him every year when we get to roll it out. Uh, and the, and the train is a rolling. Lots to choose from, Anthony, as far as your story of the week. Uh, what is your pick? Well, I would, uh, you know, if it was just me, I would pick the Destiny tees, but <laughs> because... Are you really? I, I thought you were soured on Destiny. Yeah, but Warmane came out and it it re- reeled me back in, okay? Right. We're, we're not talking about it. Anyway, <laughs> it's, I mean, I feel like you can't say anything but the Fallout 76, like, whole appearance of a random stream and then you know confirmation of what it is like as far as like the game is called fallout 76 we don't know anything else really right. outside of leak stuff but i think that's the big thing is because if you say the words fallout on the internet most people tend to get really excited yeah bethesda has uh, really been doing an interesting strategy this year of course they're having their own press conference as they have the last several years And we didn't know very much as to what they would be showing at that press conference. But in the last couple of weeks, we've seen Rage 2 come out as a, uh, as a, a teaser and then a full game trip, gameplay trailer. And now we get this Fallout 76 teaser, which is pretty enigmatic. It's got, you know, the, the required, uh, weird cover of a song, you know, and I guess that's the requirement. It's been that way for a decade now. Um, but, you know, it's got that uh, John Denver cover. And we just see sort of Fallout imagery of this fabled Vault 76, which, if you're familiar with Fallout lore, is kind of the big deal vault. This is the vaults that uh, people fled to when the bombs were dropping and the uh, apocalypse was happening. But Vault 76 was designed to be the first vault to open 20 years after the war ended, which would sort of uh, seed new life on the planet. Everybody else that's ever played a Fallout game, the, the Fallout 3 and 4, uh, were in vaults that emerged, that opened back up to the world 200 years after the war. So a vault that opened 20 years after the war, you would imagine 
has very different circumstances. So in that sense, it's pretty exciting as far as Fallout lore, but we really don't know anything about the game. Of course, there have been some reports, including on Kotaku, about the fact that this won't be a role-playing game, that it will, in fact, be a a survival role-playing game, more along the lines of something like Rust or... uh, uh, what is the other one that they referenced there? Uh, Daisy, um, Anthony. What is your what is your hope for what this is, and what is your expectation for what this is? Uh, well, my expect I guess I should say the expectation first because I should preface this by saying I huge fan of Fallout Three, huge fan of Fallout New Vegas, not a big fan of Fallout Four. Really? Why is huh. that? I feel like they're very uh, similar it, games. It, it just it just didn't do. I, it, I don't know. It's one of those things where. You know, you you spend so much time saying, oh, I really like this game, and then I started playing Fallout 4. I played through the whole thing, but it just didn't... It didn't do it for me in the same way that Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas did. Hmm. I know they are very similar. I just... Is it because one came out after Destiny and the others came out before (laughs) Destiny? No, I I know I'm not alone in this. A lot of people were were disappointed by Fallout 4 compared to previous games. Um, So my, my hope is that you know, it would be like what I wanted Fallout 4 to be, but it seems more likely based on like what you said, Jeff, it, the the idea of it opens 20 years after uh, what, you know, the incidents that it's more like a survival game, probably have to manage your rads and do things like, you know, craft. And it's probably taking a lot of the tech from Fallout 4 as far as the crafting and base building, right. I assume. Um and, and that seems cool. Uh, I think that there are going to be a lot of people that are going to be really into that. That isn't necessarily what I'm looking for out of a game called Fallout. Um, but, you know, that that seems like that's where they're going based on, like, putting all the details together. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Christian? What is your – I know you've never been a huge Fallout guy. In fact, that's the game you always reference with regard to that – the thing that bugs you the most about um, a, a game that gives you this vital mission and then gives you lots of side things to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the I think Vault seventy six is actually an airplane, and when it opened, you parachuted onto an island. <laughs> and <laughs> hey, man, uh, a a battle royale with um with the mech suits. I'm I'm into that. I can dig that. But what about a battle royale with like Pit Boy aiming? <laughs> yeah, right. With, yeah, with like, vats. Oh, someone's aiming again. Oh. Yeah, that'd be hilarious. Um. I, I think this makes a lot of sense, to be perfectly honest. I, the survival genre is still pretty large and pretty popular, and I think attaching an IP like Fallout to it um, is certainly going to get a lot of people interested in it that otherwise might not have been. And I think Anthony makes great points with using a lot of that Fallout 4 tech or base-building stuff. You know, so much of that game was ready for this. You know, <laughs> they yeah. used a lot of really cool new features in that game, and to have them not live anywhere else... Would, would kind of be a shame. My main concern is Rust and most of those survival games launch with a good amount of jank and Bethesda games also launch with a good amount of jank. <laughs> well, and that I'm not sounds sure like a what... match made in heaven then. <laughs> yeah, I think the foundation for your base building might be a janky one, but I also think audiences of both of these types of games are willing to look past that in a way. Yeah. So, I think this could be a hit. I think it could give Bethesda a good amount of cash as they continue to hopefully spend resources fine-tuning their new engine. (laughs) Come on, new engine! Um, That we'll hopefully see soon also. 
Yeah, that that for me is the big one. As much as I would want this to be theoretically a a new Fallout role playing game, a, it doesn't seem like we've had enough time since the last Fallout for that to be the case. It would feel like this weird extended expansion if that was what what it really was. And B, I really am done. I'm I'm I apologize for saying this, but I'm sort of done with that Bethesda engine at this point. It is so it is showing its age so much. And I know there have been numerous mods from for all these games, Skyrim and Fallout, improving the look uh, of the engine. And so it is certainly serviceable. Um, but man, I, the next I think the reason the next Elder Scrolls is still so far off is because they are building a new engine for it or have built a new engine for it. And I really hope that new engine is real purdy and improves on a lot of the things that we have come to expect from this a uh, very old Bethesda game engine with regard to faces and the way things look and feel very sort of uh, bland and brown, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm really hoping that the next generation of Bethesda games look much better. And I just, I'm not ready to j- dive into another RP. I, the fact that I've played now uh, segments of Skyrim and Fallout in VR uh, again and just seeing that engine up close in VR, it's like, okay, I'm I'm ready to get the next thing. So the fact that this could be something else, it probably is still on that old engine, uh, which is a little, uh, a bit of a bummer, but I don't think you're looking at Daisy or Rust as these graphical, you know, showcases either. Uh, So my question, my question to you guys is, do you, so normally Bethesda is very quiet going into their E3 presentations. They typically, you know, the leaks happen, a lot of leaks happened last year, but they really didn't, you know, acknowledge anything or say anything, but this year they've announced two games and one of them is a fallout game. And it seems weird that they would, you know, tease that ahead of time. Do you think that they are teasing it ahead of time because they want people to like connect the dots and then go, Oh, well this isn't going to be the fallout game we want. So like, instead of, it's a swerve, you know, having that moment during the press conference, everybody goes, oh, my God, Fallout 5. And then they go, no, it's 76. And then they show oh, gameplay. And people are like, oh, no, now you can be prepared. And you see it and you go, oh, that's what I thought it was going to be like. I think that's probably very wise if if that's the case. Um, I mean, we'll – in the next segment, we'll kind of step through all the press conferences and what we expect to see. Um, but I think that might be a very uh, shrewd move if that's the case. If it's like, okay, we'll let people digest this so that it's not – it, you don't come out of the press conference feeling disappointed that yeah from that split second of like the fallout logo comes up you want but then if that was the case wouldn't they give you some indication of what kind of game this was i i guess it just seems weird to me that they would go through this it, there were 50,000 people watching a blank screen in the middle of the night on twitch yeah. waiting to see if something would happen like there is this just this this rabid fan base that I feel as though if they showed it and had like no room to explain it or like prepare people that it might, especially like, cause when they showed Skyrim on switch, it became all the memes and all the jokes right. and everything. I think, I think we're going to get a similar situation. We'll talk about it in a bit, but like, as far as like no explanations, we're just showing you what we have and here it is. And I think, you know, maybe this was their way of saying like, okay, we're going to show it to you ahead of time. So you can kind of like try and guess yeah. and prepare, prepare yourself instead of you seeing that pit boy and you seeing, uh, you know, vault 76 and then thinking, Oh my God, it's fallout five. Right. Instead you're like, Oh yeah, this is fallout 76. Oh yeah. It kind of looks like what I thought it would look like. And yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
I, I think that if, if so, that was a pretty smart move on their part. Um, because it won't have that reaction now because now everybody's not expecting that. It's expecting yeah. it to be this other thing. So, um, maybe so. Christian, what about you? What's your story of the week? I'm just calling your attention to real quick on my Zencaster. It says lost connection to server attempting to reconnect. It looks like everything's still it's, going okay. It says that on mine too. Yeah, it says that on mine too. But, but I can just I'm also running that. my recording, but I just wanted to let you know before okay. I... Cool. We'll just keep rocking until we, we can't. Okay, I will start right here with what my story of the week is. Then here we go. Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Pokemon Let's Go Eevee, which is the one I will be buying because... I love Eevee. P- Pikachu's great, but like played out a little bit. Like once he became a detective, I knew he didn't need me to support him financially anymore. I like Eevee because it doesn't take gas. <laughs> hey, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. I, I feel like it. you're 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 more leaning towards the. I think more people like Eevee than like Pikachu. So you are trying to subvert, but you are actually just following the crowd, Christian. No, I'm not trying to subvert. I'm being honest for why I. Uh, Pikachu oh, okay. everywhere. Gotcha. Pikachu played out. Eevee I want to get as much attention. There was a there's a, a thing in Heroes of the Storm this week. Um, they're doing this this uh, Nexomania, this like a Mexican wrestling inspired event. And there's a quest in it. At the beginning of the quest, it's the first time they've done anything like this. And you pick a side, and then you do when you complete the quest by winning a certain number of games or whatever, you get cool stuff. But you only get cool stuff on the side that you've selected, and it doesn't matter. But uh, one of the sides is red and one of the sides is blue and it's based on these two different characters. And I had this moment that you, exactly what you're talking about where it was like, I bet everybody goes with this side. So I'm going to go the other way because I want to be in the minority rather than the majority. And I want to be one of the cool kids, you know, hipstery cool kid who does the, you know, anti. And I was talking to somebody and he was like, yeah, I think everybody made that same calculation. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you can get, you can be so anti that you're, You've looped right back around to being in the majority. <laughs> I, and I could see Eevee outselling Pikachu. And I guess what I mean, it not that Pikachu's everywhere in terms of everybody likes Pikachu better. It's like there's the Pikachu 3DS, the Pikachu branded stuff is everywhere. So if I can get a box with a different, with not Pikachu on the cover when it comes to Pokemon, <laughs> I'm, all, I'm all on board. But what this is, it looks like it's the a remake of Pokemon Yellow, which means we're going back to Kantor. We're going with the 151 OG Pokemon are coming back, but then it has adopted the uh, capture mechanic from Pokemon Go where you're actually, you have the Joy-Con. They showed it just separately. Um, I don't know how you do it with like a pro controller and maybe they're not trying to show it that way, but you flip the wrist and throw a ball to capture. And I think also it looks like um, you see the Pokemon wandering on the maps. So not, it's not just random encounters on the grass as happens in mainline Pokemon games, but they have said that this is an in-canon game, even though it's a kind of a retelling of Yellow, but it is kind of intended to get younger players interested in the franchise again. And then that Pokeball Plus attachment that's like part Gigapet, part Joy-Con, that thing looks awesome. Does I'm it? very excited for this Does game. Does it? Does it? Does it? It's a Pokeball that you get Does to throw... It? And capture Pokemon in the game with, and then you get to take it around with you and put it on table during brunch, and it goes, I'm hungry! And you're like, hell yeah, Eevee. Supposedly three-hour battle- battery life for that thing. Of course. It's three hour great, and they're going to be hard to find, and I'm going to want one. And I hope, uh, I will report in this section, that Labo, kind of a dud with my kids, not super interested. Oh. But I think maybe they'll be interested in this. Also, I like Pokemon, and if they're playing co-op, couch co-op with me, and we're out catching Pokemon... 
Uh, one will have fun. Two, they'll throw a Joy-Con and break the TV. It's gonna be a good time. Has your have your girls ever been exposed to Pokemon before? Are they Pokemon? They've been exposed, savvy? but they're not indoctrinated. They don't know what it is. My daughter's in an art class uh, on the weekends, and she came back with a picture of Jigglypuff. Uh, and she goes, she goes, look, I drew a cat in a tree. <laughs> <laughs> right. So they're not, they're not like chomping at the bit to play the Pokemon. You, you, this is going to be their gateway drug. If they like it. Yeah. They might, they also might, you know, be over it, but yes, right. I am buying it. I am buying them their first hit for free. It's for you. And you're hoping that it makes it feel good because they like it. <laughs> I like video games and I would enjoy playing couch co-op games with my kids. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is huge in the sense that it's Pokemon games on the Switch, and it seems like uh, real Pokemon games on the Switch. But also, it's not the Pokemon game that everybody wants. Yeah, trick. I, it was a trick. I yeah. think everybody wants this. It's going to sell. No, like- they said, we're releasing a Pokemon RPG before the end of the year, and everybody went, yes! And then they said, it's this, and everyone went, I'll play it, I'll buy it. <laughs> yeah. But how many, how many people not our age, have played Yellow. Like, uh, this is a great game for the vast majority of gamers and people that own the Switch. Yellow is a good game, not the best Pokemon, but, but, but I a don't well-made feel like, game. I don't feel like you have to have played the older, because they all include, you know, uh, a lot of uh, the similar Pokemon throughout yeah. the... Like, I don't feel like, you know, people need to play Yellow and be like, here's who these Pokemon are. Most, Especially with Pokemon Go, they know who you know, the, the original starters are, and they know all that stuff. So I don't, it's going to sell like crazy. It doesn't matter, but it, it seems like to me, uh, a stop gap for sure. And I feel like that's been the entire lifespan of the switch so far has been, I mean, other than perhaps Odyssey, it feels like everything is a stop gap and that's fine because it's great playing stuff on the switch. Uh, but I think both things can be true, right? It can be true what you're saying, Christian, which is, Yellow is a good game. People are going to love it and it'll be fun. And most, a lot of people in the audience haven't played it yet and it's all good, but it's also true that this isn't exactly what people were hoping for. And uh, it's a bit of a disappointment that they're kind of just shoveling this in people's path on the way to the thing they really want, which is probably two or three years off. So I, think I don't they know. said 2019 for the main line yeah. for like, the Oh, is that so? Apparently. Yeah. Well, it, it I, I just feel like this is, although I take, I, you know, Metroid 3DS was actually pretty good, but I feel like this is the Metroid 3DS to the Switch Metroid. This is the, you know, stopgap before we get the true Switch RPG. It's like, here's a game, you'll play it. It might, it might be great, but you're not really forgetting about the fact that, like, you want you want the RPG on the Switch, on the go, with all the things, all the bells, all the whistles. Yeah. I am curious if, the, like, with this, that it's announced uh, that it has Pokemon Go integration where you can kind of pass Pokemon from Go into Let's Go and vice versa and then put one from Let's Go into Go and then take it to a friend and this, that, and the other. And I'm, I'm curious with that. I don't think they've said, but like with the new Pokemon that will roll out into Go, if those can be brought into Let's Go. Because I think Let's Go, they say, is just stuck to the original. But I think there's room for expansion with Let's Go, depending on how they decide to tackle it. And it could be fun. I think it only goes one way. I think it only goes mm. from Let's Go. Like, I think you can manage them, but it's it's only the Kanto Pokemon in both. Hmm. Okay, yeah, I'm not sure. But uh, I don't know. I think it looks good. I think it looks 
well, I mean, I haven't played it obviously yet, but it looks polished. It looks prettier uh, than I think it needed to in those commercials uh, or the, the trailer they released. I'm excited for it. And I think, yeah, I think it's going to be huge. Well, I agree. It'll be huge. I'm not a Pokemon guy, but uh, I, I think, I think it will definitely sell well. Yeah. Um, I think that Pokemon go ball plus thing is going to sell out more than anything attached to that game. Yeah, yeah. That's a pretty brilliant piece of marketing right there is, Hey, we'll make you a real ball that behaves like a ball is supposed to in the universe. That's pretty cool. Um, but I also think it's going to be ultimately disappointing when it's never charged. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm dead. What happened? Why? You left me unplugged for more than three hours. Yeah. Um, man, uh, too many amazing things this week to pick, uh, one. It's hard. I will, I guess I will say my story of the week is the one I'm most excited about. And that is the anthem teaser. Of course, barely anything. And this is just <laughs> like, hey, Tune in to E3 because we're going to show the game that you expected us to show. And but, look at this box art. Look how big this head is. Big head. It's a real big head. <laughs> and hey, do you like uh, do you like how uh, Halo heads look and also D- Destiny heads? And uh, <laughs> uh, this is like that. You'll like it. It'll you'll like it. Um, yeah, I'm I'm very excited. The Anthem is the game that I came out of E3 last year most amped for, even though it seemed like the furthest off. And we got, of course confirmation this year that it will be delayed into 2019 but this gives me some hope that it is early 2019 i assumed it would be a fall 2019 game and it still may very well be but it seems like the amount of detail that they are teasing that they will show at e3 indicates that it's not going to be at another e3 now i could be completely wrong about that but this is what my instincts make me feel like they they are showing enough stuff that they're like, yeah, this is our time to shine. This is our E3 where Anthem is front and center. coming out before E3 2019. They don't have another big show. That's my guess. I think they suggested that it was early because I think they, I want to say it was last month and like the, the investor call, they said, It'll be it'll be out before the end of like our fiscal year. So I think most people assume March. Well, that would be great. I would be very excited for that, and I hope that's the case. And it certainly sounds like the amount of info we're going to get at E3 about it, including a breakdown of the combat system and some some story stuff. And the teaser itself has a kind of a story hook. Uh, it's very generic. But, um, I mean, this game looked really, really great last year. I'm really hoping it's a return to form for you know, Casey Hudson and that, and that crew. I mean, Casey of course was, was gone for Andromeda, but Andromeda was such a huge disappointment and, uh, Bioware, I think deserves to have it. You know, I, I, I want Bioware to feel like Bioware again. And, uh, do you think this is it though? Do you think Anthem is when you think of no. a game you want Bioware to make? And when you think about what Anthem is rumored to be, is that, Vanilla ice cream and apple pie. Like, are those the things that go together? I think Bioware's a very talented studio, and I have I full faith in them to knock Anthem out of the park. But if I was like assigning studios to projects, I want to go Destiny like game goes to Bioware, and hmm, what am I going to give to well, this game, the studio that made Metroid Prime? My, hmm, my, I've been wrong before, is what I'm saying. So maybe <laughs> my you know idealistic uh, silver lining take on this is. What I've always felt was missing from the Destiny-esque games was the Bioware-y stuff, you know, mm. was was the why, was the, 
MMO-ness of it. Um, I always wanted more of that from Destiny. I wanted more of that from The Division. Uh, those games that have I have found really fun gameplay loops in and have a blast playing with my friends but feel very rote and samey after a while, what I wanted out of them was the things that hook me on actual role-playing games, which is context, variety of mission type, uh, you know, big, sprawling, cool story. So maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe this yeah. is just not that at all, but it would be cool if you got a game like Destiny that had the trappings of a Bioware game. Sure. I I, I feel like they're their move there it's not going to be as narratively focused i think it is going to be very looter shooter heavy um but who knows i'm excited for it make no mistake we'll talk about that and you know yeah. when we talk about e3 but i'm very excited for it but i'm excited for it because i really really like looter shooters and games where you can grind for cool stuff so that's why i'm excited but i love bioware narrative driven games and i i just don't think that this is going to be that I want a strong narrative for why you need to keep collecting something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> I mean, like, that's the hard part, right? Is justifying repeating. You don't want to repeat a story level over and over and over again. You need to come up with a strong reason. And I'm not saying this sarcastically. You need a strong reason why you need 200 pigskins or something. You know, it's yeah. like, give me a, a real reason that feels important to go do the same thing a hundred times with my friends. And if someone can pull that off, if it's Bioware, whomever, holy moly, that's game over, right? That's going to be incredible. Yeah, here's hoping. And it certainly looks real fun. Um, but we got lots uh, more, and maybe we should just dive into the... Should we just go and talk about them as they come up? Because most of the stuff that happened can this I week... Yeah. As, can I call them as my predictions? Uh, <laughs> even yeah. if there are... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really was going to predict this before it leaked. I think we'll see a Fallout game. I know Elder Scrolls is next, but Fallout seems... I, I have a weird feeling that... Yeah. Yeah, Nintendo's definitely going to announce two Pokemon games. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's do that. Let's move on to, uh, and get that hype trainer rolling. But first, I want to thank our sponsor. Uh, if you feel like you can't sleep before E3, the week before E3, you can't sleep too excited, maybe try upgrading your sheets. We got Brooklyn and Sheets as a sponsor of the show. Brooklyn and are my sheets. These are the sheets I use. I know, Christian, you have Brooklyn and Sheets as well. Love just the put Brooklyn. them on. Just put on a clean, uh, clean set. Literally before coming uh, into the office to do this, and I <laughs> am very excited to go to bed tonight. Nothing better than a clean set. I, you know, no, there's there is very few feelings in this world I enjoy more than slipping into a crisp, freshly made bed with sheets right out of the dryer. Woo! And Brooklyn and sheets accentuate that feeling even more because they're so luxurious. These are nice. These are lovely sheets. These are the sheets I use when I go to sleep and I love going home to my own bed. <laughs> I get to slip into my my uh, Brooklyn and Sheets. This is a company founded in 2014 by a husband and wife team. So, uh, Vicky and Rich Fulop. And they believed that you could have beautiful home essentials without the crazy prices. And the way they did that was they removed all the unnecessary markups and fees because most bedding is marked up as much as 300% because they do all of the, you know, physical locations type stuff. This is all online and it keeps the price low, but it keeps the luxury high. And Brooklyn has become the fastest growing bed brand in the world as a result with over 12,000 five star reviews. All of that is great, but the the reason I like it is because it feels so good, and they have so much variety. My wife picked out um, our Brooklyn and Sheets and our uh, duvet cover, 
she picked out this really cool uh, gray and white striped look that makes the room look nice. They have so many varieties and color patterns to, ch- to choose from. You can mix and match your com- uh, your uh, set to complement any decor, but they feel great. I mean, these are these are really really nice sheets. And Brooklinen.com has an exclusive offer just for my listeners. So you get twenty dollars off and free shipping. When you use promo code DLC at brooklinen.com. And Brooklinen is so confident that they offer a risk-free 60-night satisfaction guarantee and a lifetime warranty on all of their sheets and comforters. So remember, the only way to get $20 off and free shipping is to use promo code DLC at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and promo code DLC. Brooklinen is the best sheets ever. All aboard the E3 hype train, fellas. Oh, man. Uh, I love this time of year. It's crazy. It's busy. It's wild. But it's fun. And we get uh, a preview of all the biggest games that we can expect over the next year or two or three, depending on delays. <laughs> um, so let's start off and kind of do it in order uh, just loosely. I mean, you guys can bring up whatever you want to bring up. But we're going to talk about all the things we're excited about for E3, uh, maybe make a prediction on which uh, which press conference we'll be most impressed with, maybe make a prediction which game we will come away wanting most which will be our game of the show um but let's start sort of in order of of what's happening um the first event of e3 pre e3 uh for a company that's not actually part of e3 but is e3 adjacent is ea and we just got done talking about ea with anthem and of course anthem will be a big part of the ea press conference but anthony do you have any uh, other expectations about what we can f- see from ea and how you'll they're, you know, of course, they're they're not doing the um, the E3 event. They have like just like last year, they mm-hmm. have an an event in actually in Hollywood, which is not very close to downtown where E3 is. But uh, it's open to the public, and people can come in and play stuff. So, what do you expect to see out of that, and what are you hoping for? Oh, uh, I expect so. I mean, they've already confirmed Anthem and Battlefield Five V, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and I expect, you know, we'll see, they typically have at least every year, at least one indie that kind of like catches at least my eye, uh, like last year, A Way Out. It's right. like, oh, also Joseph Ferris is very big and bold, but A Way Out looked really cool. Um, I'm hoping that we'll get to see something from Respawn, either their Star Wars game or... Their VR game, maybe. Or, sure, or Titanfall 3, something. Yeah. Uh, um, Outside of that, I I don't know. I I I'm most excited for Anthem. I hope I hope at EA Play we get to we get to play as much of Anthem. Like it's not just a like, you know, here yeah. play the demo from last year section or something like that. It's like, you know, get a true feel for what the game feels like, um, and not and not just like here's a little short segment where you shoot and you pick up some fake loot. Yeah, yeah. Even having it playable at all, I think, will be uh, a big plus for that game. Uh, I expect it to be playable. I hope it is playable. Certainly, we'll see some of the EA Sports titles, and it'll be interesting to see what incremental improvements we see there, as we do every year. Uh, if there's more story mode stuff back for those games, um, I'm hoping we see. I agree with you 100% about Respawn. I'm hoping we see something about that. I don't expect to see Star Wars, but man, that would be cool. 
Um, it would be weird for an EA press conference to go by without any mention of Star Wars. Yeah. They, that's like, I that's mean, true, huh? they obviously can't mention, you know, the, the other one. But I feel like they have to, they have to, something Star Wars. If it's not Respawn's game, maybe they've been working on something else. But it would be really weird. Well, Battlefield just got big DLC, right? There's not going to be another DLC. Maybe there's another DLC announced for that game. Maybe that's where we get Star Wars. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. I didn't think about that. Uh, Christian, is there anything you're looking forward to for EA that you would, or you're hopeful of, or you want to predict? I'm hopeful for Burnout. Yeah, that's not going to happen. But I also, what is Criterion working on? They did a lot for Battlefront. I imagine they're probably working on Battlefield. They've kind of been that team that has handled vehicles for things and and, yeah. and done this, that, the other. There was um, that excited. weird Criterion game that they showed a few years ago, but that got canceled, right? We heard officially that got canceled, that like all vehicles, you know, from hang gliders to ATVs to yeah. semi-trucks. Well, we, we expensed a bunch of vacations to <laughs> yeah. film with GoPros, <laughs> and now here's our footage. Yeah, that got canceled. We heard that confirmed, right? I don't remember uh, if that was confirmed. I think canceled. they just said it, nothing became of it. Like yeah. it was just yeah. a proof of concept. But yeah, I don't know. But I'd I'd love to see. I mean, they're I think they're a very talented team. I'd love to see something there, even if it's just a VR level for Battlefield or something. The way they did the VR level for Star Wars. I'm not asking for you know more Star Wars VR, but I'd like to see something from Criterion. I think I'm asking be... for more Star Wars VR, please. <laughs> Who do I need to ask? <laughs> I think that'd be fun and exciting. And then other things that I I haven't tracked down the licenses, but trying to uh, you know. <laughs> Make predictions when everything's been leaked. So I'm I'm, I'm out here on uh, spicy territory or whatever we called the bold yeah. and spicy. Um, cool Ranch. Cool Ranch. Thank you. I'm out here in Cool Ranch territory where NBA Jam, even um, though NBA Playgrounds is a thing, so maybe it, there won't be a jam. Did we yeah, just hear I, that NBA I, Street is coming back? Isn't okay. Them? Yeah. I, I, Great. Uh, I thought, well, what? who does NBA Playgrounds? Is it not, not EA? No, Playgrounds is, I forget, but it is not. Um, And that sequel looks pretty good. It's been delayed. But NBA Street would be awesome. NFL Street would be great. FIFA Street or whatever they call it. I like those. I'm ready for some EA big. I'd like SSX to be good. Dude, an SSX game. Why are we we living in a world where there's not an SSX game being made? Because they did one and it was awful. Not awful. They did one that was very mediocre. did Did you see how steep turned out? I don't know. Yeah. If the demand for extreme winter sports is as high <laughs> as it once was. Yeah, fair enough. I don't know. It, yeah, I, it seems weird that, like, a lot of things just kind of went away. And it's true of other studios where, like, you know, you had several studios working for Activision doing other stuff. And now they're just either a Call of Duty studio or a Destiny studio. Yeah. And yeah. I think now it's like they're either a Battlefield studio or a Battlefront studio. <laughs> oh, yeah. Latchis in the chat says Skate 4. Yeah, all this stuff. EA's got some hits, man. Uh, and then also Andre's DRW said NFL hits. Uh, I think that was Activision, right? Uh, a claim. Who owns that? Well, that that's Blitz, but and Blitz and Hits are Activision. Well, or Midway. Midway. I don't. Midway know doesn't exist it. anymore. But no one cares about hockey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, skate the EA yeah. big game. Does, does NHL make an appearance at the press conference? That's the that's the question. Yeah. Um, I, that's the stuff I, I want from EA and and a burnout. And I don't think I'm going to get any of it, but that's yeah. what would make me very excited. And then hopefully someone shoutcasting a game. <laughs> oh God, please oh, no! Please. 
deliver us from shoutcasting. I mean, it's going to happen. They're going to show some battlefield match with, they're going to be like 64 people as YouTubers and streamer. It's going to happen. What you about, do they announce battle Royale battlefield battle I was, Royale? I was just going to say, uh, what I about, they said it's not happening. How about NBA battle Royale or NFL <laughs> battle Royale? A hundred <laughs> Steph Curry's enter a court. <laughs> yeah, no, a hundred NFL teams <laughs> all on the same field. Um, I'd be into that. No, I think you're right. I, I, I love what you said, Anthony, about uh, a, an indie game. I think EA yeah. really made a big point in the last, what, last two years, I guess, of saying, hey, we want to be that um, that uh, incubator place where yeah. indies can can thrive. So, yeah, I would love to be there to be a one that just knocks my socks off and is so unique and different and out there. And I think they understand the benefit they get of showcasing a, a game that's unique and independent feeling at their press conference. So I think that's a great prediction. Um, but I think it's going to be all about Anthem. And I think Anthem and Battlefield are going to really be the, the like one, they'll start with one and end with the other, you know, type of thing. And um, it'll be a, a fairly predictable, but I think could be a very entertaining uh, press conference. So, uh, so let's move I, on. Oh, oh, I oh, think the, I think the thing you're going to hear the most often during EA's press conference is, is either, the phrase or some derivation of the phrase, you know, no season pass, no DLC, no mm. microtransactions. Yeah. They're going to say it for every single game. Yeah, no, you're right. I think they're, they definitely want to fix that perception. That's a very but, good point. But there's going to be microtransactions in Anthem. No way. <laughs> they're not going to happen, but well, I think they're going to try all to make cosmetic. all that. But while skirting the issue, because there's no way ultimate team stuff goes away from FIFA and Matt, like that makes so much like no loot packs. But yes, yeah, no, I'm talking card about packs with the with the big games that they announced. No offense to the EA Sports games, but like yeah, they're when they yeah. talk about they're gonna stress it, even though they've already said it about Battlefield V. They're gonna say like, just yeah. so you guys know. Right. I know we messed up. Yeah, did you see how big that face was on the anthem box? Uh that's uh you're gonna have that's all all cosmetics. Yeah. Cosmetics all as far as the eye can see. Um so uh the next day, Sunday the tenth, we have the Microsoft press conference and then the Bethesda press conference. So start with Microsoft. I think Microsoft clearly, uh kind of like they were last year, has the most ground to gain and the most they need to accomplish at E3. I didn't think they really did it last year, and I'm very worried they're not going to do it this year. We don't know very much about what they'll have to show. Um, one assumes that Crackdown 3 will be back, um, maybe improved, yeah. maybe different. What else for Microsoft? A Halo? Will there be a Halo appearance? Will there be a Gears of War appearance? If all the did they, did they say? I thought they said no Halo this year, or am I mistaken? I think they said that that arcade game is not coming to Xbox, but I'm not no, sure. No, 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 like said. no Halo at E3. I thought they got out ahead of that. I might be mistaken. Well, mm -hmm. certainly the uh, the infamous Walmart Canada leak that has proven to be so accurate um, in, the, in the last week or so had a Gears of War in, in it. Yeah. Uh, so maybe we get a new Gears of War reveal at the press at the Microsoft press conference. Yeah. Um, anything – what are you hoping for here? I think they need to – I mean, certainly Sony is going to double down on their first-party exclusives, and their first-party exclusives have been so impressive over the last several years. Microsoft has lagged behind on that front and has relied heavily on third-party games, and the fact yeah. that third-party games tend to look a little bit better on Xbox One X, but I don't think that's a big enough differentiator to hang your hat on anymore. So what can they do? 
I think I think it's going to be a lot of third party stuff. I think we're going to see we're going to see I think we're going to see Division 2 there first. We're going to see Assassin's Creed Odyssey there first. I think we're going to see, you know, whatever the next big update for PUBG. Like I I think they're going to really just kind of like focus around saying like these are big games like Anthem I think uh debuted its gameplay at, yeah. at Microsoft, like it was like a, sh- a short, like little thing. Yeah, that at, was the mic drop at, moment at the end of the. Yeah, Microsoft. so I, th- yeah. I think that's like, I think we're going to see a lot of things that are not exclusive to Microsoft at Microsoft's press conference. And, you know, that's fine. Like, but that's where you're going to see the, the games that you could potentially play on PC or PS4. It'll be interesting to me to see which press conference has my game of show. I've already decided, guys. Um, Cyberpunk. <laughs> Whoever has Cyberpunk is the winning press conference as far as yeah. I'm concerned. I'm well, so excited if, for that game. Oh, my God. If it, If it's even, like, in a state where it's, you know... It's got to be. It's got to well, be. Well, it could, you know, CD Projekt Red has been known to just show show some slideshows and talk for an hour. So, yeah, they know. have, but I think they have waited on this. They've sat so. on Cyberpunk for a little, so long that I, I think so. they're going to they're going to show serious gameplay and uh I I don't know. I for me, I know that it's bad to go in with a bias, but yeah. um if that game disappoints, I will be the saddest boy ever. And I just don't I don't think CD Projekt Red can disappoint me at this point. They just know how to make games I love. So I am fully prepared to just uh, go gaga for that one. And I hope it lives up. Um, and yeah. it'll be interesting to see if Microsoft or Sony, you know, includes it into their press conference. Yeah. I think what they're going to rely on a lot. Um, and there's a rumor that they're going to be doing, ri- doing rid of getting rid of gold and it'll be the place to play multiplayer for free. And I think, while that might not have a huge splash or huge impact and impress conference in terms of quote unquote winning E3, I think that's a pretty big announcement if they go that way. So let's be just be clear what you're saying. So the the idea would be that you know, up until this point you had to have a gold subscription to Xbox Live in order to actually play multiplayer games. And it will be you will not have to actually pay for that anymore. You'll be able to play any game, even third party games on the Microsoft platform without having an Xbox Live gold exp- uh, subscription, right? I think that'd be a, a pretty big, powerful move. And then they lean into uh, Game Pass. And they I think they're going to tout all of the games that are available there. I think they're going to announce, you know, maybe they give Crackdown 3 its launch date. Um, and, and they drop something else that's, like, playable right now on Games Pass. I don't know what that would be, but something else. And then maybe they announce third-party games are going to come to it. I'm I'm making this up, but, like... Mega Man will be on Game Pass day and date or something. I think they're, I think that's going to be where they're going to lean in to do a lot of stuff. And I think if they, like Anthony said, you know, showcase a lot of third party stuff and then say, you can play it all here for free, air quote, you know, without a games for gold, without a gold Xbox Live gold membership. I think that's pretty powerful. Whether or not they, they do it, I, you know, I don't have any inside information, but as a cool ranch prediction, I think that's a pretty cool one. I think it is a, it is a pretty cool ranchy and, and I think pretty, um, bold of them. It would certainly make some positive PR, uh, roads, you know, inroads. Uh, looking at the last uh, at least two years of Microsoft press conferences, their, their structure of the press conference seems to have been, Hey, we cut out everything that isn't games. Here's just a spew of game trailers. It's all about the games. Here are games. 
So I think that would be a departure if they spent some time talking about logistics like that or, you know, structural stuff. They really haven't done so in the last couple of years. Maybe it's time for them to return to that. And maybe, as you're saying, that's really the only card they have to play at this point. Um, That would be a bummer if that's what they're relying on to get positive feedback is, is, is simply like, hey, $60 over the course of the year, we're going to, you know, give back to you. I think it's a, it would be a cool gesture, but I don't think it is as powerful as, hey, here are two or three or four big first party or, you know, big exclusives. But they that- just can't have those ready yet, right? Like right. God of War took five years and that was a, a pretty intense turnaround. Yeah. <laughs> um like these big single player uh game days gone has been de- you know got a delay since last E3 to give them more time. Um we're seeing the time it's taking Crackdown 3 to get released. Yeah. I don't know, man. I mean maybe there is a surprise Halo thing because that's kind of had some time, but I don't know if they're looking to rush that cuz I think they want that to be a, a the prestige brand it is again. Um I don't envy the position they're in. I, I think it's difficult. It, it says a lot that the thing that is exclusive to Microsoft that I'm most looking forward to is Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Mm, yeah. Like, th- there's really only like two games that we know that will be playable on Xbox slash playable on PC, and that's Crackdown and Ori, really, right? There's nothing else. Yeah, Forza, some type of Forza, and yeah, then maybe some type Fable? of Forza. We see the Fable reveal. Does that happen? That was the rumor. I think that would be really cool, and that's what I was going to say. Is that um, yeah, there will be some sort of Fable something. Uh, I think that would be great, and if it was a return to sort of big, ambitious Fable, I'd be all for it because I really enjoyed Fable one and two. Um, I also let me ask you this question, Anthony. If yes. if the big end of the conference reveal is gears of war are you excited uh i i enjoyed the last gears of war and yeah it, me too you know, very much it, it ended in such a way that i was excited to see more um it seems a little early it seems kind of odd that like we had a halo then a gears and then we'd have another gears yeah um but yeah, I would I would play another Gears for sure. I I think that Gears is is one of their like two, not counting Halo, their two showstopper exclusive franchises that aren't unique. Yeah. To be honest, I think that based on what they did last year, where they talked about PUBG and they showed Darwin Project, I wouldn't be surprised if they are the press conference where you get the most battle royale discussion and the mm. most like. You know, here are a bunch of battle royale games that are coming to console. Yeah, that could be. It just seems it seems odd, and it like it is what it is. But I I definitely see a situation where you come away from Microsoft's press conference and say like, these are the games that I like that I saw, and their division, Assassin's Creed, Anthem. You know, their games, Metro Exodus. Right. You know, their games that aren't exclusive to Microsoft. They just happen to be at their press conference. Yeah. And what does that really do for them? I, I don't know. Best like, on I, Xbox One X, you know, like high, whatever. Or they say highest highest frame yeah. rate or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Like yeah. I feel like Division had Division had the Xbox exclusive like month early DLC. So I imagine right. they still probably have that deal in place. So that will be uh, a good selling point for them. But it's really it's odd. 
Uh, it was the same last year, though. So yeah, you know, well, I, it was you, okay. It was okay. I, I came away feeling that you know their their press conference was pretty enjoyable and had a lot of stuff to get excited about. But it's hard to compare it to the exclusives that you get on PlayStation, and not just exclusives, but like new stuff. If it's just Gears and Halo and Forza and Halo and Gears and Forza and Forza and Gears and Halo, every, you know, it's like it's the same well that you keep dipping into. It, they really could benefit from freshening up that stable and introducing new IP. I mean, Sony is doing such a great job with uh, Ghost of Tsushima and all these other Days Gone and all these new new potential franchises. Now, I, of course, they tried to do that with, uh, well, didn't try. I guess they succeeded. They did do that with Sea of Thieves. Sea of Thieves is a brand new IP. Um, and it, it was very successful. And uh, so I guess, you know, they are doing that a bit, but I would love to see more yeah. of that from them. Yeah, it, we'll see. I think this is going to be the year that, you know, last year was all games. I think this year, like Christian was alluding to, they're going to spend a lot of time talking about Game Pass and why Game Pass is great. And Game Pass is great because you can pay $10 to try out Sea of Thieves and not pay $60 to try out Sea of Thieves. It's not – I don't know. It just – yeah, it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird. What if, Jeff, if Marcus – can take his chainsaw lancer, right, mm-hmm. and throw it, and then it comes back to him and he catches it. Oh, that would be interesting. And he has, Marcus has, I don't know, a son he didn't know about? Well, it's a prequel before Gears 5, so it's like him and his son. Cause right. We, you know, so, yeah, they're on an adventure. And he's going to teach his son how to be a soldier. I like that. I like it a lot. Yeah. I'll do you. I'll do you one better. What if they say, you know, we're working on a new game in the Gears franchise, and here to introduce it, is Cliff Blazinski. <laughs> wow. Now Man. that is a cool ranch prediction. That yeah. would be hardcore awesome. I mean, it hey. would be super inside baseball, and but it's the kind of sure. thing that E3 pops. Like, I mean, you know, he, he, pops wouldn't be, he wouldn't be going back to Epic. He would be going to a completely different studio. I mean, that, so. would be, that would be something. That would be really cool. And it would be like, <laughs> he came in to just finish up the last couple of weeks of development on yeah. Gears of War. Yeah, that'd be funny. Dude, Anthony, if that happens, that yeah, is yeah. that's some cool that range is, prediction. I mean, I I, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, when when Bosky shuddered, he got a phone call from Rod Ferguson that said, "You always have a job here," and he probably was like, "Nope, no, 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 no." That is that would be a really cool moment. I have to say, uh, I would I would pop like a mark for that. Um, somebody in the uh, um, subreddit suggested that Microsoft is uh, adding Alexa, uh, um, um, Amazon Echo integration into Xbox, and you'll be able to control your, even though they removed the Kinect, and I don't even want to get into that because it drives me bonkers, but uh, I think that'd be a cool thing. I'd like to have my consoles work with my Amazon Echo. Um, I don't know the port you have to Oh, I guess it's internet. No, it's so software. It's more, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Software integration. That'd it's, be man, what on a, the same network, you know, on the same Wi-Fi network and ooh, you can do it. Yeah. What a turn. <laughs> I know. Right. It's, it's, it would be bizarre, but I also would welcome it. So we'll see. Echo. Uh, why'd you kill Cortana? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Bethesda is that evening. We're still on Sunday now. Um, and we talked a bit about Bethesda. We know rage two. We know fallout 76, my feeling, and Bethesda was the biggest question mark, you know, a month ago was the biggest question mark for me of like, you know, here they have this press conference. We don't know anything they're working on. Um, so we know two now, which leads me to believe that that 
those two are not the biggest bullets in their chamber. I feel like they are holding something back or at least maybe a couple of somethings for the press conference. I I think those two are the ones that uh, are going to be like uh, Wolfenstein, like the playable ones. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Those are the one, maybe the ones that are furthest along. Yeah. Um, I, you know, there's this rumor of a science fiction role-playing game that Bethesda studios has been working on that isn't fallout. That's sort of the optimistic sci-fi future role-playing game which I would uh, love to see. But again, I, I'm really hoping it's not based on that same aged engine. Um, what do you think? What, what else does Bethesda wow us? Are you coming out of Bethesda going, oh my God, I didn't see that coming, like the Doom reveal of a couple years ago, or what was that, three years ago? Um, what do you yeah. think? Well, well, see, well, here's a little inside baseball as to last year. I was actually with you, Jeff, yes. during the press conference last year. You and year. me and Michael Pactor just yes. hanging out standing and then being led into another yeah. area where we could stand again, stand for another two hours, guys enjoy yeah. it, standing. Yes. It, it, but it was, it was essentially their press conference was essentially like, here's, here's Pete, uh, Pete Hines coming out to say like, you know, thanks for coming, blah, blah, blah. And then they just played, you know, hit play on a video and the video went, mm-hmm. um, I'm hoping this year will be, it will be different from that, but, you know, it depends on, I guess, what their plan is. But I feel like if if this Starfield or whatever it is, whatever Bethesda Game Studios next game is, I feel like you got to bring out Todd Howard and let him, you know, get get all the cheers and all the standing ovations or 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 uh, you know the accolades that he deserves because everybody loves his games and he he is pretty pretty brilliant. But so I hope, uh, yeah, I hope we see him. I hope we see whatever they're working for, working on. Um, I would be surprised, wouldn't be surprised if they at least mentioned we're making another Doom. Yeah, um, right. But last year it really was just two games. It was a bunch of DLC or like what I think, I think it might be similar in that we'll, they'll talk about DLC for Prey and maybe talk about um, DLC for uh evil within two and then rage and fallout 76 will be like the big show pieces and maybe we're done i would be surprised if that's the case simply because i don't know why they would talk about those games before the press conference you know i guess it gets people excited for the press conference but i feel like there needs to be something at the press conference that's a little surprising i will say i do not expect an elder scrolls to be shown or mentioned uh, in any way other unless they say something about elder scrolls we're working on it be patient because I think they've made it clear that that is a game that's not going to be anytime soon. Um, it would be wonderful to be surprised and wrong about that, but I don't think I'm going to be. Uh, but yeah, I mean, whatever that game is, whatever that Starfieldy game is, I, that would be really cool to see. And it would be cool to see something unexpected, maybe something small and weird from them. You know, they've had on this um, uh, pattern of showing small, weird stuff with the Fallout Shelter, you know, and stuff like that. I think it would be cool to see some other weird stuff from that studio. Uh, and sure. that publisher. Uh, Christian, how about you? You got any Bethesda wants and desires? Well, I think, Jeff, that um, Rage 2 might have been that you weren't expecting this type of thing, the same way Doom and Wolfenstein were, where those were kind of, you know, maybe once beloved franchises that had fallen on hard times, and while Rage hadn't been around long enough to become beloved, per se, in the same way, it was a game that was like, oh, some people liked it, all right, and it kind of looked back on, like, oh, that was, what a weird tech demo. So you think and, their plan was legit spoiled? 
I think it might have been, and then they embraced it the best way they could. I don't yeah, have any think, inside I information, agree. but I agree with you. Yeah. Well, I think the, it was. You guys may be right, but I'm, the only evidence that points me the opposite direction is the way Fallout 76 was rolled out because they had an opportunity to make that a complete uh, surprise. And maybe, Anthony, you're right in that they didn't want to have people come away disappointed if that's a surprise because it's not an actual Fallouty Fallout game. But I also feel like the way that they put out the stuff uh, from Rage felt like those those two trailers were prepared and sure. and don't feel like those are the trailers that they were going to show at the press conference. And if so, then but, what are they going to show at the press conference? You know, it's it, it feels like maybe it it was this, it yeah. was revealed before they wanted it to, but also they may have wanted to reveal it before the actual press conference. I don't know. I think Anthony might hit the nail on the head with his take on Fallout and kind of getting that out in front before showing yeah. the whole thing. And then I think for Rage 2, um, that trailer, the when they showed the gameplay, like it doesn't say what it is until the very end. So I yeah. think it, it's a very E3 stage type trailer where you're watching it being like, oh, it's it's this, it's that. Oh, no, it's definitely Rage. And then you see the, tra- the thing at the end and you're like, a, a Rage? Why would they do a Rage? Well, that looked cool. Yeah. So they show you cool before they load it with you know baggage of a title. Hmm. And then you're excited. You're like, you leave that press conference thinking, who would have known I'd be leaving E3 most excited about Rage? I think it could have been a really cool moment. Yeah, or- you, may be, you guys may be right. Well, remember Fallout 4. We saw Fallout 4 before Fallout 4 you know, the press conference, we knew fought, we knew what fallout four like slightly looked like there was that teaser with, yeah. you know, the vault dweller walking with the dog. Right. Yeah, right. But, so yeah. I, you know, I think it's, just, I think it's the same playbook and I don't know. They, they really have been like embracing this idea of like, we don't show you a game at a press conference until, you know, it's ready to come out. Like which I love, not gonna, I love that. Yeah. Which is great. But it also means that you're not going to get a lot of, of things. And so I think that rage is probably coming out in fall. Fallout 76 is probably coming out in fall. Just seems and weird to me that they'd be like, here's this vision of the future where everything's a wasteland and there's mutants roaming around, but this time it's a shooter. Also, here's a vision of the future where <laughs> it's the same, yeah. same exact thing yeah, twice. No, I, I agree. I agree. I, it, it just, it w- so then does Starfield come out this year or whatever no. it is? So then it doesn't come out this year. So then they're breaking tradition. Right. So now well, I think Rage tradition, is 2019 also. Yeah, is it? Rage is 2019. Well, I, I mean more like uh, like before you see us again, right. I guess. Right. Um, but yeah, like the idea of of showing off stuff in a more complete state like that's that i think is what differentiates the bethesda press conference from the other press conferences is that in a lot of cases you see stuff at bethesda's press conference you play it and then at other press conferences you see something two more times like we're gonna see anthem again yeah before before it comes out versus everything that they showed at the press conference last year was playable within like five months of the announcement. Yeah, no, you're right. So yeah, we'll see. I, I really, really would love for them to just, you know, show me what Bethesda Game Studios is working on so that I can kind of like form in my mind <laughs> how I feel about it. Cause I, I have a love hate relationship with, with their games as far as like what they like to do and how I feel about them. So I would like to see it and say like, okay, I understand it's not for me or I, I, oh man, I'm really looking forward to this. I hope their, uh, their little love affair with VR is not over. And I know I'm the only one thinking that, but I really hope that they got an, had enough uh, success with 
Fallout and Skyrim coming out in VR and Doom coming out in VR that uh, they are still invested there. I think that would be great to see more of that. So that's what I'm hoping for. I, I think it'd be weird to see a Doom sequel because it feels like Rage is the same theme, you know, thematic feeling. It's 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 like angry yeah. and violent and fast and metal and it's like. But- yeah. But you gotta get you gotta get back. You gotta get back. You gotta get back sooner rather than later. You gotta remind people. Yeah. I feel like the longer you wait, the more that novelty, you know, like runs out because a lot of games are gonna try and just do the same thing. Right. Uh let's take a pause now as we move to the next day of uh events at E3 and uh thank our second sponsor, Simple Contacts. Now E3 week is a time that I am super grateful for Simple Contacts because I will be wearing my contacts at E3 uh, at all the press conferences. I will be worried uh, about having contacts with me on uh, as I go from event to event and need to have contacts. And I don't want to have to schedule between now and then a, a time to go in and make sure my, my uh, prescription is up and you know go buy contacts. Simple Contacts removes all of those weird speed bumps and annoyances and allows you to get contacts super easy, allows you to update your prescription, renew your prescription uh, very, very easily uh, with just a five-minute vision test. You do it on your phone or your computer. It's renewed, or excuse me, reviewed by a licensed doctor. So it's not just an algorithm that's making sure you're, you're right. It's actually a human being, a licensed human being. Uh, and you, re- you receive a renewed one-year prescription, and you can reorder your contacts, and they have all the contacts you would want. The brand that I use, uh, I was so happy to find on Simple Contacts. They had all the brands, so I wasn't surprised. Uh, and the prices of the contacts is lower than if I go into a store and buy them. So I have the convenience of renewing my prescription and reordering my my brand of choice. I have the speed of doing it. I don't have to go anywhere. I can do it on my phone. It just takes a few minutes. I have the reliability of the fact that it's renewed, reviewed by doctors and licensed ophthalmologists. I have the choice because they have such a wide variety of brands of lenses and I have the support. Their customer support ensures every customer is 100% satisfied. And then I have savings. The vision test itself is only 20 bucks. If you compare that to uh, your annual appointment, which without insurance could cost you over 200 bucks, that's ridiculous. And the price point of the contacts is unbeatable. Standard shipping is free. And best of all, just for listeners of DLC, we have a $30 off offer. All you got to do is uh, go to simplecontacts.com slash DLC. Enter promo code DLC at checkout. That's either or. You can go to simplecontacts.com slash DLC or enter the code DLC at checkout. Now, remember, this is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. That's very important to note. You do need to do that. Make sure your eyes are healthy. So do that. But if you're just getting a renewed prescription, why hassle? Why spend a million dollars by doing it? Just do it the easy way and get yourself $30 off simplecontacts.com slash DLC and promo code DLC at checkout. All right, guys, moving on to Monday. Monday has Ubisoft press conference, PC press conference, Square Enix press conference, Sony press conference. Oh, so much. Um, so let's talk about Ubisoft. We've we talked a little bit about uh, Division Two, which we know they will be showing. But also this week, one of the story items we didn't talk about. Oh, I have a prediction to make real quick. Um, right. Is it Assassin's sorry. Creed related? <laughs> don't, don't do it. My prediction uh, is Assassin's Creed, a new one. 
Oh no, <laughs> it's I'm sorry. Basic Greece, it's called Odyssey. That, that every Ubisoft game will use the subtitle from a Mario game. Um, Ooh, was that not your nice. prediction? Anthony? That's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. So Division, Division Two, Sunshine. Galaxy. Yes. <laughs> I like the way you both made the same joke. Uh, Differently, just different entries. I, I think Division Two Galaxy is better than Division Two Sunshine. But I, I, too bad you both were already wrong because of Division Two. There was already a Mario Two, so they're already doing it. Oh, whammy! Uh, or well done. Division Two Sixty Four. That's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah. Um. So Ubisoft, we know uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, based in Greece. This is Sparta esque teaser that they released um i love the last assassin's creed i'm ready for the assassin's creed franchise to double down on its witcherness and uh if this game is that awesome um we heard a, a few little details based on this 4chan leak uh they say that you will be able to choose between two protagonists in Assassin's Creed Odyssey and they are not interchangeable. So you play the entire game with one or the other. It's not just like a, you know, palette swap. It's actually kind of a different experience, supposedly. Uh, this is developed by the Unity team, Assassin's Creed Unity team, and it will bring back the extensive character customization scene in that game. It says that naval battles will be a big focus once again. Like uh, belly in, button battles? Yeah, yeah. You, you never had belly button battle before? <laughs> it's, uh, you know, Lint versus, uh, Innies versus Audis, the <laughs> Lint capital of the world. Um, so, you know, I love, I loved Assassin's Creed Origins. I really did. It's the first Assassin's Creed game that I truly loved. And, um, hoping that, I'm not super thrilled about Greece. It feels a little too close to ancient Egypt as far as aesthetics go. I, I like big departures year over year on the Assassin's Creed franchise, oh, yeah. but, um, you know, I guess they had a bunch of toga textures lying around <laughs> that you keep using. Um, uh, yeah, I feel like the their best their best like you know way from from Egypt to Greece is that Egypt had those like bo- boss battles, you know, like the outside boss battles with Anubis, and I think then you can do that with Greek mythology. You can battle Zeus. You can right. battle. So I think you know. Yeah. But yeah. Cool. Cool. I guess it's cool. Um, I'm I'm a huge fan of the division. Very excited for Division 2. I hope it fixes uh, the end game from the Division. I hope it really feels like a fresh look at what made the Division work so well for me. I put, I don't know, 100 hours into that game. I had a great time with it. Um, and uh, I, I really would love to to return to that with my buddies and play. I'm hoping that they take a page and understand that, uh, take a page from, you know, Fortnite, etc. Not because <laughs> I want them to have a Battle Royale mode, although it will probably have one. Um, it, in the sense that all of the cool loot of Division was so grounded in reality that it became very unexciting to get the, the next, you know, vest or hoodie. Uh, I would love for them to open it up and make, you know, make the loot that you can get actually look and feel a little cooler and less feel less tied to something that is authentic to what you would be finding and wearing. Um, yeah. I just think that it needs to, it needs to be more fun that way. They need to, you know, let it happen. Um, anything, anything you guys want to? Are you excited? I, I, I think you're 100 percent correct about the battle royale because their survival mode was was super close to a battle royale. It has a lot of the same framework. I think, I think there. Are, I, I have a prediction that there aren't going to be as many battle royales as you might think, but I think the division will be 
one of the games that does have a battle royale. Mm-hmm. Um, I too really enjoyed the division. I, I played it a lot. I played it um, with each update. I played it, you know, when they when they reworked it. But um, I don't know. It's just like that game to me. Uh, like you said, it it the the loot and the grind is not as satisfying, partially because of the the fact that it's not like cool cosmetic looking stuff it's just like a backpack that has like a brown you know strap on it instead of a you know gray yeah, strap right and i i think that it was so like min maxi in terms of like what you were getting like the the perks on specific weapons and stuff I, it just to me i i want them to either decide like okay this is just like what our game is or Maybe they're revamping it and doing other stuff. It doesn't seem like they will, but like just find a way to make the the game pay, gameplay loop a little more exciting. Because I could run, you know, Nightfalls every week in a Destiny or a Destiny Two versus like running the the encounters in the Division was never as exciting to me every week. Yeah, if that makes sense. Like they just weren't they weren't as exciting. They didn't feel they felt just more like rote and and just going through the motions and didn't have as much variety. Um, I know they've done a lot to like add variety with the global events and stuff, but I'm still way excited for it. It's probably like top five in terms of games I'm looking forward to. But yeah, me too. Me too. I hope sure. that I hope that they. Uh, are trying to do something new, but it, it also seems like they spent so much work, like trying to figure out what people want that they're just going to say like, okay, let's put this over to a new environment and start again. Christian, are we going to get a splinter cell? Yeah, I, I hope two things. One, I hope that beyond good and evil two isn't there. It, unless it will be. Unless it's ready to really be shown, but I think it will be, but I, I hope it takes a year off because I just, just wait, uh, which I know isn't Ubisoft's MO. And right. two, if that theater goes dark and you just hear the pew pew and like the night vision green comes on, I know Zav D'Amatos and I will have found our game of E3. Um, well, I, I think that's a pretty safe bet. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I think there'll be a, a weird gobo set up in the back of the theater, the, uh, the auditorium, and it'll have three little uh, green dots and there'll be smoke in the room. So you see the lines, you know, the whole I just time. need that. And I need Mr. Caffeine back, you know, like the Ubisoft <laughs> can do. <laughs> yeah. I, I am a big splinter cell fan. Um, I jumped back into um, wildlands and I hung out with Sam Fisher who looked not great. in that game <laughs> that version of Sam did not look great, but Ironside coming back and Sam Fisher and an awesome splinter cell game gets me very excited. So I'm curious you know, to see what style of game it is, if it is just the Ubisoft open world game, but now you're Sam Fisher, or if it is a little more linear, um, you know, hallway based, it had some great multiplayer back in the day. That franchise has done some pretty incredible and historic things. And I'd, I'd love to see the franchise, you know, push the envelope again. I'm genuinely excited for Starlink as a game that I was really pleasantly surprised by last year. And that's the game that the sort of uh, toys to life game in a world where toys to life games don't exist anymore. Uh, but it's the, you know, you attach a spaceship to your controller and it's modular and you plug stuff in and man, that game looked really cool last year. And I want to see more of that. Um, Beyond good and even evil Two, I feel like Christian, you're spot on that. It really shouldn't be there, but it will. Um, it would be it nice. Not, 
It might not. They it did that. Be. They did that like gameplay demo not that long ago. Maybe that was like uh, their way of saying like so it was not what... a gameplay demo. It was like well, look at the re- the animation that we recorded. Yes, I, well, th- maybe that was their way of saying like here, you know, here's an update so that you understand why we're not showing anything at E3. But I, yeah. I would be surprised. I feel like now that it's been announced, it's going to be at it's going to be at least at two more Ubisoft conferences, <laughs> right? At least. I would like to see something along the lines of Mario plus rabbits, you know, some surprise like that, that just is like, wow, cool. Something weird that they're working on. Mario plus rabbits was such a re- breath of fresh air for me. I just loved it. So uh, they're, they're a studio capable or a publisher capable of stuff like that. So, um, you know, I'm hopeful. What was that bone thugs game Crossbones and, but, bo- bo- Oh bo- yeah. No, I think they bones. said that's not going to be there. Yeah, okay. I think they've. That they, interesting. Yeah, that's like the just just the sea battles from Assassin's Creed as a game. Yes. Yeah, Skull and Bones. Yeah, like yes. I I think I can't remember. I think it might be there, but it's not. It got delayed. Yeah, it'd be better if it was Bone Reesh. Thugs. <laughs> Bone Thugs and Harmony. Yeah. Um. All right. So let's talk. We kind of you know it's a lot of stuff, but it's the good. crew too will be there at Ubisoft. The crew too. Yeah. The crew too. Yeah. yeah those. Which is also a game. And For Honor DLC and yeah. I'm sure Rainbow Six stuff. Right. Uh, Which what is about- also a game. I want that to be a t-shirt <laughs> that says, that's also a game. Uh, <laughs> the Division. The Division, yeah, for me is is the beginning in it. And I'm all, also excited about Assassin's Creed, kind of. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the PC gaming conference uh, because no, I probably, okay. this probably will be the last <laughs> time I talk about it. Uh, is it going to be worth seeing this year? I feel like it hasn't the last few years. And, I, and I'm and i a PC gaming guy. Like, I want it to be the, the show, but I feel like it's still not going to be. No. Okay. It's, they're going to talk about Bitcoin and blockchains. I mean, this might be actually – this might be where you see the most about cyberpunk. But uh, um, in, in that sense, I might be very excited. I'm hope, also hoping that Oculus shows something because I think Oculus is a sponsor of the PC gaming show this year. So I hope they reveal uh, a new game or two because that would be cool. But uh, yeah, PC game show, it would be great if PC game show was, yeah. you know, was great. Last, last year, the PC gaming show was the chance for that guy that showed a pretty cool game at Microsoft's press conference to like backtrack on his his twitter <laughs> conversations that was like the only news that came out of that was was him saying like look okay sorry yeah. and that was really it i don't remember a single thing yeah, yeah. it's not it, it has not been a great conference in terms of its presentation or its content i think there's room <laughs> but for other it. than that other than its presentation and content it's that's what i'm great. saying I, I think there's room for it to be but i think that PC gaming is also this weird thing where who's the cheerleader of it? Like everybody loves it, but like who's the, and I know it's been like PC gamer sponsored or Nvidia and like it has these sponsorships behind it, but it, it's not a platform. There's not a publisher that, that rallies behind it to make sure everything goes according to plan or has a, a singular voice and what they're trying to accomplish. No one's trying to sell PCs yeah. in that weird way. It's just, it's, it's a little loosey goosey. It's kind of like, we took 10 kids from high schools across the country that all kind of like the same stuff and we had them talk and like yeah. something interesting might happen. But at the end of the day, they'll just be like, yeah, that is cool. <laughs> I, I feel like the Sony is so like chalk block full of their own stuff that they're just, 
other companies saying, well, we'll just do a press conference because we can't put our thing on other stages and see what happens. And PC gaming was like, well, Hey, everybody come over here. And they're like, "Uh, it's okay. Yeah. Okay. I want to be wrong about that. I want, I want it to feel not like an also ran because it deserves PC gaming as a platform deserves it. But valve should just come in and be like, we're owning this. Like it's the steam conference, but they're not going to do that. Um, Square Enix is doing a Nintendo-style direct uh, version where there's not anybody in a room watching it. It's just a, a video presentation. And we know Square Enix has Tomb Raider, and we know they have... Um, um, oh, my brain Kingdom just Hearts t- 3. Kingdom Hearts 3 is what I was looking for. Yeah, uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 is going to be, I think, a big game. It may end up being a lot of people's game of show. Uh, I know that a lot of people uh, came away from the hands-on that they played with it uh, very, very high on the game. Um, yeah. I, I'm excited for Kingdom Hearts 3 for sure. It looks awesome. Yeah. I I think that this will be there assuming that it doesn't get delayed and and that uh well I guess I guess they could do their own thing, but I think this is like their big chance to be like this is this is the world we haven't announced yet that is yeah. coming. Like this is where they, they could do that. Um Moana World. Do Moana. Yeah, I, I mean, it's pretty, I mean, let's be real. It's going to be Frozen World. You're right. I um, want to see a Square World because they've shown so many of the Disney World, and I know that is the crossing of these two. No one cares you know, about Square World. <laughs> I think people do. What if they did? I, I think is, they do. I think they do, but I don't think that that's. Uh, I don't think that that's where they're going anymore. Oh yeah, and Daft Spoon in the chat says, uh, "What about these Marvel properties? Are we going to see any of those this year? Is Avengers or right. Guardians?" That's a great point. They've been working on those. Uh, I know there's a there's a a Marvel VR game as well. There's a and there's a, a there's cool big Marvel sort of um, action RPG that's supposed to be in development. That would be amazing. Oh man, I'd be all over that. And maybe a Marvel World and Kingdom Hearts. Do those two cross over? It's Disney I mean, now. I, I'd even have Star Wars in there for Pete's sake. I feel yeah. like they're just doing this press conference so they can show you Kingdom Hearts and show some Final Fantasy VII, and everything else is just going to be in the background. You think Final Fantasy VII conference. is going to be at the show this year? It has to be. Does it? It, ha- it has it? to be. I don't think it, it has does. to be. Ever comes in in a Final Fantasy it, game? They could delay it for another ten years. Yeah, but there has. To, if it's not at their, well, it has to be at their press conference. Why would they? Because they didn't do one last year, right? The only times that they've done it is when they had Kingdom Hearts news to to announce. It feels like I don't be, think they did one last year. They didn't do they one did, last year, but but they did one the year the year before to show like a little demo. I, I feel like Final Fantasy VII Remake has to be in some form, whatever it is. But it happens be. before the Sony press conference, right? And it they can't steal the thunder. If if Final Fantasy VII is shown, it's got to be at the Sony press conference, right? You'd think. Wouldn't you think? Maybe, maybe that's where you get maybe. the gameplay reveal, but they show you like yeah. you know, the sword crossing, you know, yeah. carving seven into the screen or I don't know. Something. But we already know it's coming. It's not like doing. <laughs> um, supposedly, you know, it's in pieces and that the first piece is supposed to be, you know. Yeah, soon. No, it's in pieces. We just misinterpreted yeah. that. It means like, well, literally. That's true. But I, I feel like this Square Enix press conference is more for the Japanese properties and it's less about Tomb Raider and everything else. Like, yeah, I think those things will get mentioned, but I think it's going to be Kingdom Hearts all the way and then other stuff. 
And then, of course, we do have the Sony press conference uh, at night on Monday the 11th. And uh, we have heard that they are going to double down on four titles. Spider-Man, Ghost of Tsushima, uh, Days Gone, and what's the fourth one? Last of Us Dose. Last of Us Dose. Yeah, so that's a pretty strong lineup. All exclusives. Uh, that's a pretty strong statement to say, hey, we're really deep diving on the games that you can't play anywhere else. And those are some strong looking games. I am, I think of that group, I know I'm probably in the minority here, but I'm most excited about Ghost of Tsushima because I'm such a sucker punch sucker, a sucker for sucker punch. And I also think that game looks really interesting and different. Um, but of course, you know, Spider-Man was our DLC game of E3 last year. And I know uh, we're very excited about that. I would just like to point that. out that I predicted that it would be your game of the show before the show happens. So what's going to be oh, your game, of the, game of the show this, this year? year? Last of Us 2 and you both know it. I think that maybe Christian will try to convince me, but that game will have to show some really solid, interesting gameplay stuff for me to get on board with that. But maybe, maybe. Jeff already has a cake in his fridge that says, congrats, Cyberpunk. So. I do. It's, I it's do. It's going to be true. Last of Us 2. It's going to be Last of Us 2. I know it. Some cool I ranch. That's it. some cool ranch S it's you're dropping. Cool, yeah. Uh, Christian... Last of Us 2, what do you expect to see? Expect to see a big, cool trailer? But deep dive doesn't mean big, cool trailer. It means game plizzle, right, for Dizzle? I hope to see first half of 2019. I don't expect to see first half of 2019, but that's what I hope to see. That's what you want to see on a big placard on the screen. First half of 2019, I think that's Days Gone's date. I think it is also. For I sure think it, it is, is also. I think it's Days Gone gets the God of War date, and Last of Us Two gets the Spider Man date. Um, I don't know when Ghosts comes out. Um, so that's from- fall, and then Last of Us Two is early 2020. <laughs> that's how it's gonna work, guys. <laughs> that is possible. Um, for Last of Us Two, what I would like to see is changes to the combat mechanic and stealth mechanic. Not that I didn't like it in the first game, but I'm curious to see how they've. Um, improved upon it or what they've done for like creating noise or now the difference between encounters of clickers and humans in the first game those encounters played largely similar even though clickers you know were blind they could only hear sound kind of the way you approach those i think there'd be something cool if there's dynamic um, changes to the combat between the two i think would be really awesome and i'd like to see some form of um you know to see if the survival stuff has evolved at all again i really really liked last of us um, but I think they hinted at, at uh, mechanics in the first game that didn't show as fully as they could have. Um, and I'm curious to see if they've uh, blown any of those out in Last of Us 2. If it's exactly the same game, just more of the same game, but with a new story, I'm sure I will love it. But I think there's room for them to do interesting stuff with the mechanics I mean, of the game. As I well. mean, Uncharted 4 level of detail is going to be all they need, really. Sure. <laughs> right, right. My Cool Ranch prediction on this is that we literally get no gameplay footage of the game. Other than the fact that we'll see a cutscene that's in game, but we get no. I I think as deep divey as they're going to be about Last of Us Two is devs sitting on stage, talking it out, talk talk talking it out, saying, "Oh, here's what we're planning to do." Here's, there's not going. They're not going to show anything, and it's what not coming in 2019. You, yeah, what if they well, show you gameplay of Last of Us Two, and at the end it cuts to a, a screen that says, "All of this was made within dreams." <laughs> That'd be cool. I, I, I feel possible. like, yeah, I feel like they're gonna they're gonna show something. I feel like at some point they need to like 
show us what it looks like. Where's Joel? Like we need some answers on, in like a certain, you know, a certain level, you know, we need to see like, you know, what does it look like? Is it, is it the same uh, concept or, or, or does it ha- you know, is it, is it playing around with, with some of the, the conventions of what they did with the third person shooter? I think that they need to answer those questions. It's been so long since that initial reveal that we need to at least understand. Just like last year, we needed to see what Spider-Man like really felt like. So we saw the combat and we were like, okay, I see, I understand now. I feel like we need to do the same for Last of Us too. Maybe. Will they have a, a step down acoustic cover as the music? Yeah, mm. for sure. I think <laughs> I it's, feel I like- think it's extended. It's extended story beat moment, and then Druckmann on stage talking like Druckmann talks. Really cool about the game, but I'm, I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I would love to see more of it, but I think it is uh, still uh, shrouded in mystery. Anyway, um, uh, what about uh, here's the, here's the thing that I think is interesting about Sony. If they are honest about this being uh, really showcasing four games, and of course we know. Dreams, we know about PSVR stuff. Um, there will be other things, and I'm sure there'll be some indies on, on stage as well. And there'll be a- There is also a big game that you're not mentioning that will be there. Death Stranding will be there. In some oh, oh, no, that is the fourth game, I think. It, I think maybe I put in Days Gone, and that's not the, that's not their actual fourth game. It was Spider-Man, Days Gone, uh, Spider-Man, uh, Last of Us 2, Ghost of Tsushima, and, uh, Death Stranding. I think that was with a big four that they said. So uh, yeah, I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be like they did PSX last year, where it's like let's hang out with devs and talk about uh, dreams. And I think it's gonna be like that with Last of Us Two, and I think it's gonna be like that with Death Stranding. Death Stranding is gonna have some of the other weird thing that we're all gonna talk about, but it won't make any sense, and it'll be frustrating. I, I feel like last year they just like nailed it, and last year was you didn't really see a lot of people. You just saw demo, 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 like very few trailers. And it, I think, I think they, they hit the nail on the head as far as like how their press conference should go and showcasing four games. I think those four games as like 15 to 20 minute demos can be like the main focal point. I think that I want you to be right. I want you to be right. So let's hope you're right. I feel like that's, that's gotta be the way they do it. Yeah. They, it could be different. It, It could be, uh, you know, whatever they choose, but I feel like we we open up with uh like a like a Days Gone maybe or a Ghost of Tsushima, and we end with Last of Us Part Two, and somewhere in the middle, Death Stranding and the other stuff happen. Um, yeah, I mean that is a very strong lineup, and it could seeing deep dives on that stuff could make people walk away going, wow, uh, their lineup is extremely strong and it gives you a more compelling reasons to pick up a PlayStation. And in yeah. that sense, I, I don't, I don't doubt that it will be a, a, a really powerful presentation, but I wonder if they will lose some of that fun E3 mind share if they don't have anything that is unexpected. You know, if it yeah. all feels very much expected and it's just deep dives, if there's a chance for someone else, some other conference to really steal the thunder with something surprising. But think about last year. Last year didn't really, what was, what was last year's surprise? 
there wasn't really a surprise. It was it was surprising how good God of War and Spider Man looked. Wasn't the the Last of Us two trailer a surprise? That was PSX. Was that PSX? Yeah, that, a lot of that stuff was PSX. Like it really was just a showcase. What about of Ghosts? Ghosts? Was yeah, Ghosts. Oh, Tsushima. Yeah, that was that was a surprise. But that wasn't. I don't believe that was at the press conference. Wasn't it? I don't think it was. Boy, I have a hard time remembering last year's E3. The closer this year's E3 sure. gets, yeah. it's like this weird. Uh... I, honestly, I remember because I remember, I remember uh, Jeff, you and I, we were like, well, "Here's how we think the the like you know program is going to go." Yeah, and we were completely wrong because it just opened with God of War. Right, right. Um, right. But I remember sitting there and thinking like, "Cause oh, man, I feel like we didn't even see many devs. We." Uh, I feel like no, Sean. There were no devs. Yeah. Sean, no, no, yeah, it was all... Sean came out at the beginning and was like, "I'm just going to let the games talk." Bye. Right, and it was, but it was all that like set deck, and it was this big yes. theatrical thing with the symphony and all that stuff. Um, which man, right. do that again? But that's doesn't like yeah. what that's what they're doing. Well, yeah, you got to bring Kojima out for Death Stranding. Right, you can't you can't have him not show up. But yeah, I I don't know. I I feel like we're gonna get. A lot of it, of of just demos for games that we're looking forward to because there we don't really know what Ghost of Tsushima and Last of Us Two or Death Stranding look like. Right. Yeah. There's so, a lot of question marks for those games for sure. Um, I feel like this is a good opportunity to say like, here's what these games look like when they're when you're actually playing them. And I'm most curious to know what Death Stranding actually looks like when you're playing it because. <laughs> Yeah. Who knows? Right. Who knows? Ghost of Tsushima was announced at Paris Games Week in 2017. Hmm. Okay. What if we zoom out and Death Stranding is like all takes place on like (laughs) Kojima's pubic region? It's just like something, but you know, there's going to be some weird sexual. I know this is a clean show. You mean like the end of Men of Black where it's like. Yes. I mean, you know. Yes. Exactly. Like it could be something just so bizarre. I wouldn't put it past him. I do think that if we are going to get a surprise, I think the surprise could be whatever that shadows die twice. Um, uh, if that is bloodborne, right. Uh, what, whatever that is from, from, from software. From, from software. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that probably makes an appearance, uh, but it could, it could make an appearance at Microsoft. Who knows? Um, well, I can't if it's well, not blood, if it's bloodborne, it can't, if it can't, it's bloodborne. Right, right, right. Um, Okay, and then let's uh, let's finish up this with uh, Nintendo. Nintendo will have its Nintendo Direct Tuesday morning. We know this E3 is all about Super Smash Brothers. It is going to be a lot of Super Smash Brothers info, no doubt. And I know you guys are excited about that. But we got this leak this week. Uh, honestly, the biggest side note, real just quick side note. Man, these leaks have been annoying. It's fun, I guess, to find out this stuff, but oh wow, it is just stealing all of the thunder from E3. There's very little, I think, that has not been leaked this year, and it feels worse even than other previous years, which have had leaks in and of themselves. But this just feels like everything yeah. is leaking. And we got a leak this week uh, that there's a bunch of stuff coming to Switch, including Fortnite, which feels like it would have been an incredible moment uh, in the context of the Direct, but now it sounds like we know that that, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, Overcooked 2, Paladins, FIFA uh, are all coming to Switch. So um, that's kind of cool. That sounds cool, yeah. but it sounds like that stuff, Yo- some Yoshi maybe, some uh, – what else? Uh, just Smash Brothers, really. Yeah. So I feel like 
Smash Brothers is it's not for me. I'm gonna say this and get a lot of hate, but it's it's not for me, the beloved Nintendo franchise. But I know there are a lot of people that it's not Zelda, it's not Mario, it's Smash Brothers. Right. So I think they just think you know we're good, we're good. We'll just show you, you know we'll we'll I probably throughout the whole convention, you know they'll unveil new characters at different points because they always do like live from the show floor and things yeah. like that. Treehouse. I think I think they're set. Um, and, yeah, and it worked last I year. I don't think they need to really do anything else. I do think that Fortnite could be awesome on the Switch, depending if they actually like use what the Switch does. Did so, you hear the rumor? And this is probably wrong. It's got to be wrong. But if it is right, it would be so Nintendo. Did you hear the rumor that it's the original Fortnite? It's literally PvE oh, it's like, wave. Survive the storm. <laughs> yes! or was it save it's the world? literally not oh, the Battle God. Royale mode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I yeah that would be so perfect so perfectly Nintendo if that was true. Yeah. I I I think that I, there's so many cool things you could do with it like you know you take a Joy-Con off and you you know you hold the Joy-Con in the orientation you want to build your platform. Oh cool. Like there are so, there are so many cool, cool things I think you could do with it that uh I hope that they do with it but you know it it's on every other platform. It's even on mobile. It's got to be on Switch. Like, it's not one of those games where it's like people just want it on Switch, but it's unrealistic to expect it on Switch. It's got to be on Switch because it's on everything else. Here's my Cool Ranch prediction for Nintendo. They announced a new version of the Switch that has always-on connectivity, that has uh, full, uh, uh, like, LTE support. No. It's cool, it's cool ranch, but yeah. they they need it. It needs you need to have a, a device that can connect to the internet anywhere you are. If the kinds of games that you're putting out on it are Fortnite, yeah, they already have those kinds of games though. Like Splatoon, I know Rocket that's why League. they need it. I don't think I, I think you just buy like a mobile hotspot. If if that's you know what I mean, like yeah, you play it at uh... home on Wi-Fi, you play it at Starbucks yeah. on Wi-Fi, you play it at work on Wi-Fi. Um, yeah, it's the Nintendo branded mobile hotspot. No, you don't buy the Nintendo one, but <laughs> I think they released that. What about Star Fox Grand Prix? Star Fox Grand yeah. Prix. Yeah. Okay. You think we'll see that? Sounds like it's a thing. Is it a thing though? Sounds like I'd it be is. excited if it's a thing. I like I Diddy Kong. I, I feel yeah, I, I I don't know. That the the Nintendo related some of the Nintendo related leaks I didn't really buy, but some of them, you know. I the leak thing, it, I always like to un, to understand like who. So the ones that are not real, like what were what what was their idea? Like what? what, what, what yeah, <laughs> yeah. But so I, I think that Nintendo Lulz. has has landed on like a a just like Sony with I think showing gameplay demos. I think Nintendo has landed on a a thing to do of like we're just gonna kind of focus on one game. Yeah. For, E3, and this year it's Smash Brothers, and I think next year it'll be Metro. 100%. I agree. <laughs> you get in their booth, the way they've been like themed around a game, and it's a Smash Brothers tournament, and the last person left on the platform gets to play it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I think their booth is going to be, you know, decorated with Smash Brothers, like, stuff, and there's going to be little giant statues of all of the characters that they have confirmed. I like little giant. Little giant statues. That's little great. giant. Well, you know, because they're like, you know, they're all... Not that tall. <laughs> um, okay, so looking at E3 in total, what do you think? Who do you think comes out uh, as your personal 
Well, Jeff, you don't want to gush about about cyberpunk because it's not. I did already, didn't I? Do that enough? Oh, Can I do I that? Do like, I need to do it more? I feel like you didn't do enough. I think but... Cyberpunk is is going to be the game that I'm buzzing about most after the show. Uh, this is based just purely on my faith in that studio and the fact that I love The Witcher so much and the fact that they seem to be very serious about making a Cyberpunk game and have been holding on to it and haven't been talking about it. I think they're going to have a huge coming out party with this game. I think they're going to show real gameplay. I think it's going to be really close to being released. I think it is going to look amazing. And I can't wait. I can't wait for Cyberpunk. I'm so excited to find out more. Um, Yeah. I mean, they have hour appointments to see that game. So I think they have a lot to show. And the last time they did that, when Witcher 3 was announced at E3, our appointment was literally you sit in a room and you watch someone play it for an hour, and it was incredible. True. So. Yeah, it was cool, and they gave you a statue. Which and they gave you a statue. I got three of them. <laughs> <laughs> but I did, I did see a Witcher slideshow early, you know, a few years earlier, and it was very boring. So I'm <laughs> right. fully prepared. But I'm hoping yes. I, I'm with you. I honestly think it's going to be your personal choice, but y- Christian, it's going to be so much not Christian's cup of tea that Last of Us Two will be your. Well, what if consensus. we have to go in a different direction and, like, because it can, can't be either of our number ones, we'll have to go I with I think something. you will like Last of Us 2, and Christian will overwhelmingly like Last of Us 2. I don't think it. Last of Us 2 will be played. So I think, per our standards, there's yeah. a chance that it might not be in consideration. Our entirely arbitrary oh, rule set yeah. made... You gave it to Fallout 4? It was played. Yeah, they played it. Was it, was it though? I think yeah. so. No, they didn't play it. Or maybe that was before our rules. I don't know, Anthony. Don't try to screw us on our own rules. Wait. Don't hoist us on our own guitar. I am representing the other people, the people (laughs) in the chats and the stuff. You guys created new rules or old rules? Our rule, at least in the last... get a cutout of both of you, and Fallout 4 was not playable. At least two years, it's been the game has to be playable or played in front of us. Yeah, we have to see more more Uh, than... Okay, that's fair. I think Last of Us 2 will be played in front of you. Interesting. You guys are going to spite me, and it's going to be like, you're going to both be like, we should pick it, but we're going to spite him real hard. (laughs) I'd love for it to be Last of Us 2. Are you kidding me? I'm very excited. Is that what you think will be your personal game of the show, Christian? If we abide by our rules, it has to be played in front of us. My gut tells me it will not be played or playable, Um, so I don't know if if it if it okay, well, let's be. say it is. Let's say it is playable. Let's say they play it in front of you, and it's a demo as long as Spider Man's was last year. Yeah, it's going to be hard to top. It's one of my yep. favorite games of all time. Come on, it's going to be yeah. interesting because, yeah, I, you know, I don't have that love for the first Last of Us. I, I liked it, but I didn't love it. So maybe, maybe you're right. You may be right. You've been right on a lot of stuff so far this episode. I feel like you've been batting a real high high percentage. Um, I'm very much feeling like anthem may be pretty awesome i'm, I'm hoping we the map yeah. we see for anthem may be persuasive I mean, anthem was like the game that i was buzzing about last year but because of our long-standing rule uh, anthem was not in the running for our game of, of the show well and it's not at e3 so it can't be considered <laughs> it's not even at e3 that's a good point um i'm, cu- I'm curious how because i know like i read the anthem subreddit i go to the bioware forums just kind of like you know see how people feel about it. But I'm curious. I don't really hear people like outside of the bubble of like either the media people who we just are going to be interested in every game and kind of give them a fair shake and forget about what battlefront did. I I wonder how many people there are that are like mass effect Andromeda 
you know, ruined Bioware for me and Battlefront ruined like games with, with loot and potential for loot boxes for me and that are just going to, by their nature, hate Anthem. Yeah, and this is both of those things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I feel like the demo is going to spend some time ta- showing, like, customization and loot, and in any Twitch chat or any, you know, Facebook Live chat is just going to go, that's a microtransaction, that's a microtransaction, and I'm just curious. For me, I, I you know, I, I don't ever really, like, take that stuff into context. I try and let everybody have a blank slate, and Anthem... I'm very excited for Anthem and Division and whatever Destiny 2 year 2 are like. Yeah. That's going to be a good solid year starting in September of just like looting think, and grinding and I think I think based on what we saw of Anthem last year its general badassery can probably overcome that just if it if it looks as cool as it looked last year I think there will be a positive vibe from it but we'll see. Um I think Ghost of Tsushima definitely has a is a contender for uh, you know uh, when I'm looking in on what I expect to be blown away by I, I based on my love of Sucker Punch games and what that game looks like and how different it feels uh, and how I liked Onimusha <laughs> I think I would dig that game um, but I you know I hope my game of the show is something I'm not expecting I think it's really sad that after many many years of being really excited about it. I can't muster any excitement for Crackdown 3 anymore. I think that's really sad. I'm hoping that that game surprises me and makes me come back to the fold and get excited for it. Um, but I really want there to be something, you know, it's hard with all these leaks because the things that would have felt exciting and unexpected aren't going to be. And I'm not sure how much left there is to be exciting and unexpected. So I find it frustrating. Uh, which which press conference do you think you, we will rate highest? Is that a question? It really? It doesn't have it's to Sony. be. It's Sony. Is you it going to be it. Sony? Okay. It's going to be Sony. Unless Cyberpunk is at, at the Microsoft. The PC game show and then it'll be the PC You're, game show? <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's going to be Sony. It's yeah. going to be Sony. I, for me personally, the one the one game would be EA, but I'm not really that big into Battlefield. So yeah. I, I, think, I think Sony has the best slate. Also, I just thought about this. What's up with Rocksteady? What they doing? Yeah, what is up with Rocksteady? What is they doing? That's a good question. I don't think we find out this year, but it'd be great if we did. Yeah, I, I, I'd Brent like to... Written onto somebody's stage? Well, what did you say? You kind of cut out there. Red Dead, Red 2? Dead 2. Oh, no. Uh, no. I think maybe Sony might, because they have the like ex- some exclusive content, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But maybe a trailer. I, doubt, I, but I feel like they already... Rockstar's got their own thing going. Yeah, they don't need it. All right. Uh, so that is it. That's our look ahead. Um, Christian and I are going to be doing an extra episode as we did last year and, and do really every year. So uh, stay tuned. Keep on your your podcast listener of choice. But the way it looks right now is we're going to do a an episode Sunday night after the Bethesda press conference talking about EA, Microsoft, and Bethesda. And then we'll, we will do another episode Monday night talking about all the press conferences that day. And then we will do our regular episode the following Sunday. So that will catch up on all the hands-on that we will have during the week and talk about our game of E3. So um, extra episodes, be excited. We are excited. We'll see you then. Um, but we do, you know, if you guys are cool with, with continuing, I do want to hear what you games you've been playing. Um, we're already sure. running long. Uh, Christian, are you okay to keep hanging out? I'm okay. 
Okay, so let's talk about some of the games we have been playing this week. Anthony, let's talk. Hi. Let's start in talking about Detroit. Christian and I have talked a lot of Detroit this week at IRL. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I'm curious what you think of Detroit Become Human. I talked about it last week. I have finished the game. Have you finished the game? I have not. I was uh, playing all kinds of stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, that's okay. Also, also Destiny. Um, I have to grind for the things. So oh, you're it, back, dude. I thought you had just broken your addiction, but no, you're back. It, it's never going to happen. <laughs> I, you think just when they, but anyway, yeah. So, uh, I've played, I would say about four hours, three and a half, four hours. Okay. Um, I really liked, um, Beyond Two Souls. I wasn't as, as much of a fan of Heavy Rain. I just, there's something about Beyond Two Souls and the, the idea of like I'm gonna play this character uh, and and the like ghost character Aiden, um, I'm gonna play them as I feel like the situation dictates versus like I'm going for the good ending or the good right. choices. And I've been doing the same in Detroit, and I, I'm I think it looks phenomenal, uh, but I'm doing like a lot of the same things, and I'm really enjoying it. I think it's like uh, you know there there are lots of of situations where it's very linear you're you're only doing specific things but there are other um scenarios where you think it's very linear and then at the end of each chapter where it shows you like all the choices you can make you realize like oh well i i must not have done something at some point earlier uh, in a previous chapter or in in that situation to unlock more i i really am enjoying it so far but I'm still relatively early on, I believe. So uh, I can't really speak. For yeah. Sure. I, th- I think you'll find too, that the amount of variety in what happens is, is sort of a cone, you know, it, 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 the deeper you get into the game, the farther afield you can get based on the things you've done before. And so it feels like those spread uh, um, flow charts that you get at the end of each level are more and more intense, the deeper into the game you get. Uh, which is pretty crazy. Just the logistics of making a game like that kind of boggles my mind. Uh, but Christian, I know that you are not as high on the game. Yeah, for me, uh, it, it did not. It did not click with me. I, I found that I have. I'd rather be spending my time playing other games. Um, for me, I think it, it. From what I experienced of it, it it uh, isn't a great story. There are there's media that tells stories better and i think that there are interactivity there are games that present interaction better and i i admire what quantic dream is trying to do in terms of marrying things but i think um again just what i've experienced of it if it were a movie or a book or a tv show we would judge it as a a, a mediocre one or a very soapy one maybe a guilty pleasure one. And as a video game in terms of its controls and the actual mechanics or the things that it's asking the player to do, I think we would look at as being very mediocre as well. And I think if I could watch it passively, like if I could watch it while eating ice cream, like maybe watch someone play it on Twitch or something like that, I would kind of roll my eyes along with the story and its heavy handedness, but have an okay time with it. But the fact that it demands interaction from me, um, and I, I, I think that kind of rote interaction, um, yeah, I think my time is better spent doing something else. So I have gleefully, not gleefully, I've happily, uh, moved on from the game and I, I won't be coming back to it. 
Yeah, I think certainly the game starts, uh, it puts its worst foot forward as almost all of David Cage's games do. And the first hour or so, uh, you, he, for some reason feels very French to me, but he, he uh, <laughs> revels in putting the player through very monotonous, mundane things in order to sort of convey a feeling of the normalcy of the world and then branches off of that. And, and the mid to later sections of the game are where things get much more interesting. And yes, those interactions uh, stay the same. It's, you know, you're still doing, you know, very simplistic little movements with the uh, controller or the, uh, the thumbstick or you're doing QTEs or whatever. But I find the choices to become much more interesting and the ramifications of the choices you're not wrong in the sense of how heavy handed I talked about this last week, how heavy handed the storytelling is and how on the nose, a lot of his uh, uh, morality and sermonizing is uh, about it. And that's fine. Like it, it, it's not going to be for everybody. I just found the small moments in the game to be compelling enough to, to make me really, really enjoy thinking through those decisions. And that's how I felt about all the David Cage games I've played where just like what you said, Anthony, it's not that I'm, I never feel like I'm playing a video game version of the story. I'm never trying to do something because I think that's how I'm going to score the most points or uh, get to the best ending or min max in any way. I'm in his games. I'm always thinking through what that means for these characters, what kind of character I want to be, what kind of story I want to tell and how I would behave in that situation and that's a really interesting thing. And I find myself uh, moved and uh, invested in the game because of it. I, I feel like those moments are enough to elevate the experience beyond its very uh, heavy-handed storytelling and sort of clunky storytelling. Because you're not wrong, Christian. It is, it is all that. But I also find enough in the details of it and in where my personal story, my personal journey through it wove that I got something out of it. Yeah. I, I, I'm really digging Connor. I like Connor as a character. I think yeah. he's, uh, uh, you know, it, it also has this thing of like you, you play a sequence and then it, it, at least where I am, it ends and then you go on to a different character yeah. and, I want to get through, you know, I, you know, I play as so-and-so it ends and I go, Oh man, I need to play as these other two characters to get back to this person. And then, but I play that next character and I'm like, Oh, well now I need to get through these two characters. Cause I want to see how this plays out. And I, I don't know. It's, I, I agree about the heavy handedness of, of the kind of metaphors and the themes that it's tackling. But even, even despite that, I really, enjoy the quantic dream games because they aren't just like they aren't mass effect level like paragon renegade choices they are like well somebody's gonna die either yeah. way so, either well, way that's... somebody's gonna die and it's not just like well i dislike so and so and i like so and so it's like well either i dislike both or i like both you know and things like that when you said you know my favorite character is connor my mind went to saying like, oh, just wait until this. But I don't even know if that's going to happen to you. That's like, true. The thing that I'm thinking of could not even happen in your game. And yeah. 
that is, I find that so fascinating. I, I love talking to people when they finished a Quantic Dream game because you, you'd be like, oh man, wasn't it crazy that this and this? And, you, and they're like, what? No, no, that's not what happened. And it's like, that's amazing. That is really yeah, amazing. I, I streamed it and there were a few people after like big choices that were like, no, I, whoa, you did that? I didn't even know that was possible. Yeah. I was like, yeah, oh, cool. I mean, I, I think Quantic Dream games certainly lend themselves to that style of discussion, much like the Telltale games uh, have in the past. But I think it's just because they do it in a narrative way. But there are so many other games that also warrant that kind of discussion that I feel like maybe don't get the praise they deserve in terms of how much you can do and different things you can see where it's, you know, talk about an encounter in The Witcher. Like, I never knew that that demon was a thing or a, sure. a, an encounter in God of War that I saw that other people never saw and I thought was an awesome encounter. Or, you know, there are so many games that kind of have aspects of that. But I think it's maybe perceived as novel in the Quantic Dream games because it's narrative story that, I mean, it's story content that other people are getting one way or the other. But I, I also think that there still are other games that do it um, with narrative stuff that you that you quote unquote miss out on by not doing side missions or, or going off the beaten path for games. I but know, those, but that is a binary thing. Like either this happened or you didn't see it. It's yeah. not like the way my character ended up is wildly different from yours, or even who was involved in my story is completely different than who was involved in yours. I mean, I think it's a it's an order of magnitude greater. And I, I can give you specific examples from this game. I, I won't just not spoil anything, but there are wild sections where I know that I de-emphasized a character that could be the main character in other people's games. But I, because of the things that I decided to do, that character was written out of my story. And that's, that's just not, I don't think that's like the other yeah. examples you're talking about. I feel like in the Telltale games, when I see the percentages of choices, I'm usually aligned with the majority, and it's usually like above like 60 to 70%. Whereas in, in the flowcharts in here, they're like, they're all skewed all over the place, and very few of them are just like, you know, 90% of people did this. They're, they really do present you choices and things that you can do that I think people will consider and will, you know, go one way and then, you know, revert back or go one way and continue down that path. And I, I, that's really why I like these games uh, because they allow me to dictate that stuff. Like, how would you both feel about the game if you never knew that anyone else had a different experience than what you had? That's the, I mean, that is kind of how I played heavy rain. Like there was a moment when we were reviewing that game on the Tour de the Ragged show, low those many years ago, where we were having a discussion about the game. And I think Alex or Dan, somebody was complaining about how they thought it was so stupid that that character, this and this, and the other two of us were like, that's not what happened. That's not what happened at all. And they were like, what, what are you talking about? Because the entire experience of playing heavy rain, it hides all of that stuff. And you, you are just playing through this experience and it's constructing the narrative and it never surfaces the fact that you are uh, controlling the fate of these things. It just sort of happens the way it happens and it feels very linear, but it's not. Uh, and I think that's, there's a magic to that, that this game... That's what I'm asking. Like, which version do you think is better? Like, if they're next game, how would you prefer they they handle this type of thing? I actually, I actually don't, in some ways, don't like the flow chart because it does... 
show me kind of like where I could have deviated. And I yeah. kind of like that idea of not knowing. Yeah, me too. You know, in in your mind, you're just like, that was the choice and that's how it went. And, and I, you know, for like, let's just say like a super, it doesn't even apply to the game, but it's like, there's, you know, three weapons in front of you, you choose that weapon and that weapon, not just like determines how you, you know, survive or do this or do that, but like completely changes how people interact with you and things like that. Like, there are certain things where you see the flow chart and you go, okay, well, there were three choices and this top choice that I didn't pick went up to here and this middle choice went here and this bottom choice went here. I, I wouldn't mind it if it just said like, this is what you chose. And, and if maybe if I had chosen the top one, I still would have ended up where I was. Um, I, I wouldn't mind it not having the flow chart. The flow chart I feel like is just, a way to encourage replayability personally. Hmm. Yeah. To tell tell people like this is, there are so many choices that you could replay this game and get completely different stuff. I found it impressive to see, like I liked just on a pure data level, seeing what's in this game and going, Oh my God, I only saw a tiny fraction of the potential outcomes. Just that on a, I don't know. Just, just being amazed by the the feat of making this, I thought that was cool because I didn't have a sense of that with Heavy Rain or Beyond Two Souls. But I definitely prefer the experience of of masking it and letting me feel like this is how it was always going to go, and yet it isn't. It was it was all based on what I did or didn't do. Anyway, uh, Christian, let's talk about a game that you are enthusiastic about. In fact, I think you used the M word with me. Uh, Masterpiece, right? Oh, man. Yoku's Island Express. Before I gush, Anthony, have you played this? No, I have not. Guys, it is magnificent. That's a different M word. You and I, I, we typically deviate on the games that you... So, So although you gush, I'm, I'm intrigued, but I don't know. Take a Metroidvania. Another M word. <laughs> uh, then add Minmal to it. <laughs> okay. Um, and then and then you add pinball to it, and it sounds so out of left field and like something that it's it's a mashup that I never thought I would want until I played it. And a friend recommended it to me on it Twitter. It doesn't kept... even make sense that mashup. Like I don't I don't even grok what metroidvania mixed with a pinball game means no so i'll i'll get to it but uh a friend recommended it to me on twitter i checked it out i'm glad i purchased it uh first and foremost it is beautiful uh picture rayman legend rayman origin style watercolor backgrounds like it starts off beautiful then as you progress through the map and you're in you're in these caves and things moving in the foreground and background or you're up in the sky and way off in the distance you see birds flying around it is absolutely beautiful and then the characters uh it's well written they're amusing they're funny they're endearing they're cute it kind of has that animal crossing like talking as it's going which has a, a nice rhythm to it and then the mechanics of the game it's metroidvania in the sense that it's all one big map that you reveal as you traverse. There's parts of um, screens that you see but can't get to because you don't have an item or an ability in order to engage with that part of the map yet. And you are a little dung beetle, I believe, attached to this pinball. And I'm not sure if narratively they justify why you're attached to it. I don't remember. 
It's not important. Uh, but you're pushing this, this ball around. And in this world, again, for whatever reason, not explained, uh, there are, maybe it is explained later. I haven't 100%ed it. Um, there, there are paddles, pinball paddles. So you don't have a jump the way you, you, you can control your character as you pull along this little ball. And then, uh, in the world, there are paddles and that's how you fling yourself to new, to new locales and new areas of the world. And, and you get into rooms where there's a boss fight and it's, it's a, it's a pinball table and so you're you need to hit the boss in certain areas or collect four shiny things over on this part of the board that then opens up this other part of the table so now you can go and do an attack um i cannot believe someone made a game exactly for you christian this (laughs) you know there are games i've brought up on the show that it's like it's kind of a board game but it's also a roguelike and it's in vr and it's like it's made for me and you this is if i could just cybernetically create the terminator of christian games you know that we we brought together all the components that christian loves to make the perfect game it feels like this is it all all we need is at the end of it nathan drake like let's go with the pinball table <laughs> yeah right <laughs> exactly camera yeah um it, it is i think that Oh, let me back up a little bit. Uh, there are parts of this game when you're traversing around the map where it feels, for me, it, I felt reminiscent of the best Sonic the Hedgehog levels, where to me, some of my favorite levels in Sonic is where you're a little bit out of control, momentum is taking you one way, or even the pinball levels, not Sonic spinball, but the actual kind of pinball worlds in, in 2D Sonic, where you're kind of bouncing around off these bumpers and you flip or you hit it just right and you get to this new part and you unlock this thing. Like there are parts of this game when you're flying around and your momentum's carrying you this way and that way and you're bouncing off of bumpers and flippers where it captures that Sonicness in a way that no game has. I think had this game come out as Sonic, like a, you know, a reimagining of Sonic, I think people would have I think it would have even received better reviews than it's received. I think its name is a little weird and people are like, what is this? It doesn't make sense. It's a beetle flying at me. Um, it doesn't have, you know, it's a new IP from a, a, a new studio. I think um, it's a mistake that they went Yoku's Island because it's a little too close to Yoshi's Island. You know, like it yeah. looks like that in my, when I just glance at it. And so it, it doesn't feel as fresh and new and interesting as it maybe could have with a different title. Yep. Yep. I, I don't disagree. Um, but I feel like it's what Sonic Spinball should have been, you know, all of these adventure style pinball games where, um, it, it's just telling you a story, but the way you're interacting with a lot of it is like via pinball flipper mechanic. And I think hat, I'm going to put it on the same tier as, as something like Celeste, which is another game that came out this year that I love. And I think if you read reviews, people will say that, oh, in a Metroidvania, it sometimes is a little annoying because you're, you're stuck backtracking through the level. So you get into this pinball area and it might take you a little longer than you want to, to get onto the right path, uh, to get your little ball into the right area to go the direction you want to go. And it's not quite precise. And having spent a lot of time with, with Yoku's Island Express, I would think it is very precise. The only difference is, We've all grown up playing platformers. So if you fail, you know, trying to traverse, traverse an area of Celeste and you miss, you're like, Oh, my, my platforming's off, but we're not all as skilled pinball wizards. <laughs> so you can't hit that third alley your first try. Like you can do a double jump to air dash to wall climb jump into something like Celeste. Um, so as long as you're comfortable knowing that it might take you, you know, four or five flips to get onto the right lane that you're trying to get your ball onto. Um, in a pinball mechanic and you find that fun kind of that flow of, of a pinball table. Um, I think you'll, you'll really enjoy this game. If that frustrates you a little bit, I think you'll still enjoy this game. Um, the art is great. The story is really cute and fun. 
the way the world unlocks and you get your powers and the way they send you on each quest is really cute and fun with the side characters. And um, I know we're only halfway through the year, but I think it's fighting for a top five spot. I am really enjoying the game. It's called Yoku's Island Express. I'm playing it on Switch, where I believe it, it cost me 20 bucks. But uh, Very cool. if any of what I said sounds good, I, I highly encourage you to, to pick it up. I just love how different it sounds. I, I'm interested to give it a give it a look. Um, yeah. Anthony, what else is on your playlist? Uh, well, what would you like to hear about? Would you like to hear about Mario Tennis Aces? Sure. Is it uh, fun? Is it? A t- it's a tennis game. Is it? Is I it heard it's a fighting game. Is it a fighting <laughs> game? It's um. So it's just a demo. It's like a tournament style demo where you uh you'll load an opponent and if you beat them you'll see the bracket and you kind of advance and I think. I think it's like a either a 32 or a 64. I'm not sure off the top of my head, but I think it's it's Mario Tennis in in every way shape or form. It has a lot of those like kind of like gimmicky each character has like a trick shot thing. So you're not just doing like the basic tennis of like I'm running to the ball, I'm hitting it, you know, either across the court or straight and and my opponent is trying to guess like there are ways where if you are out of position. You can kind of like slow down time and move closer to it. You can do this trick shot. will like uh, leap you near the ball usually in some like comical way, depending on what character you're using. Every character um, has like a special, it's ca- I think it's called like a superstar shot where um, you have this meter of energy that you can use for your trick shot and your slow down time. But if you save it and it completely fills up, you get kind of like a, a harder to return shot that, it, you know, if you don't time it right, it'll break your racket or you can basically block it um, and hit it back. And it has a lot of really cool things that make it more of like an arcadey tennis game that's similar to Mario Kart, any of those Mario sports games that you've played before. And it's surprisingly fun. The only thing I will say is that for for a showpiece of Nintendo Switch Online stuff, it's got a lot of lag issues and it mm-hmm. really it really isn't uh perfect. It has quite a few instances especially like at peak times where you'll press a button and then the ball will go past and then you'll swing. <laughs> no, that's like the one thing it needs. That yeah, really... <laughs> 100% like <laughs> literally the only thing. It needs. I think that was I think that was the point of the demo was for them to like kind of figure that stuff out or I hope but but when it does work and and it did work most of the time I, it, it wasn't like you know unplayable it just had those moments but it's really fun it's like a fun i think it will be a good um you know play with with your family or just like jump online and do like a little tournament fun kind of mario sports game i don't think it's going to be super deep or anything like that but i enjoyed it Last week I talked a little bit about Dark Souls Remastered, but I am like the last guy that should be talking about that game because I'm just not a Dark Souls guy. I haven't you, played so, it. Let me talk about it. Yeah, okay. For- <laughs> Anthony, you have you are much more into Dark Souls than I am. I uh, am. I love the Dark Souls games. Uh, I think Dark Souls Master- Remastered. Uh, I'm not a big fan of remasters and remakes because I I'm a firm believer that you know it every studio should be working on new stuff and I don't like the idea, but obviously they use other studios to make these. So I'm glad to look at dark souls remastered. I'm glad that people that, you know, discovered dark souls or souls born through Bloodborne or dark souls three have an opportunity to play dark souls 
uh, in a better frame rate without all of the blight town problems. Uh, it is a really fun game. It has some of the most memorable bosses uh, for good and bad in all of dark souls. I think it is still a really, really fun game and I highly recommend people check it out, but know that over time they figured things out to make dark souls more, not more palatable, but more user friendly and, and more like less uh, obtuse with, with, with bloodborne and dark souls three. So going back to this game, you're going to have a lot of instances where you're like, Oh, this is kind of janky or this is kind of, you know, this or that. So it is going to be like that, but it is still a really, really fun game. And I highly recommend anybody that hasn't played it and is a souls fan uh, should, should check it out. My very surface level analysis of it was that the remasteredness isn't very remastery. It's fine. Sure. But it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't yeah, look it great. feels like a frame rate. Yeah. It feels like a frame rate buff and, and that's about it. Yeah. All right, guys, uh, should we, uh, wrap this up? Um, let me just say Ikaruga on switch. Oh, yeah. Is sorry. Ica, incredible. It's still a great game. Um, being able to play portrait or landscape mode so easily is phenomenal and it's totally worth checking out especially if you missed it before but also i bought it the same day i bought yoku's island express i thought i would have played a lot more ikaruga by now than i have yoku's is dominating my time but don't don't uh, overlook ikaruga it's, it's a master class in, in the shmup genre if you ask me very cool all right uh, that's gonna do it for this episode we do have a parting gift coming up so stick around for that Anthony Taormina, thank you so much for being here in our annual E3 preview. I'm I'm happy to hear to be here. Uh, I love E3. Both both Jeff and Christian have uh, been my buddies for E3. Christian doesn't like the press conferences anymore, but he was my first press conference buddy uh, during my first E3. So I'm very much looking forward to. Still seeing both you guys there for various things. Yeah, I hope we can be buddies again this year. We'll have to meet up and, and hang out at the pressers. And, and stand with Michael Pachter. Yeah, yeah. It'll be good. <laughs> um, where can people follow you and the stuff that you are putting out on the internet? Well, this is going to be a big uh, two weeks. So GameRant.com for all my E3 coverage and then E3 coverage of all uh, my colleagues. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter probably tweet like general thoughts before I put longer written pieces together about the games I play or see. So you can follow me. Uh, it's at Ant Tormina, which is spelled A-N-T-A-O-R-M-I-N-A. And then I do uh, streams pretty much every night on Facebook. Uh, yes, I know Facebook streams, all that, all that stuff. Uh, but I was doing it long before all the people came from Twitch uh, but facebook.com slash game rant. And I, I stream pretty much every new game. So if you want to see some new stuff, you can go there. Awesome. Christian, how about you? What do you got going on this week? Uh, an incredible guest filled at least 20 more minutes drops on Tuesday. I had a guest on last week's show as well. Last week was, you know, parenting and gaming and Fortnite elementary school or middle school uh, schoolyard smack talk. My dad can beat your dad in Fortnite was a real thing that happens now, <laughs> which is pretty cool. This week is developer chat. Uh, I think it's an awesome inside look at the hobby we all love. It'll go out to patrons on Tuesday. You can find it at patreon.com slash Christian Spicer. And then it goes out um, on the uninformed opinions podcast feed on Friday. So you can find that there. 
And then, uh, again, a heartfelt thank you to everybody that donated to St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. You um, saved people's lives, like 100% legitimately because of you and your kindness. And I think that that is absolutely incredible. And from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. It, it means a lot to me. And then if you want to see an hour or so of uh, Yoku's Island, I have it on my Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer, and also archived on my YouTube, which is Christian Spicer 713. I don't stream as much as I'd like to um, because of other work obligations, but I have an hour or so of Yoku up there. And if you're curious about it, you can go there and check it out. Jeff, what about you? I have several other podcasts for you to check out, including the Slash Filmcast, talking about movies and TV shows over at SlashFilmcast.com. And I think this week we're talking about a really fascinating movie called American Animals. So check that out. And I also have a comedy science show called We Have Concerns, which you can find at WeHaveConcerns.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jeff Canato with two N's and one T. All right. Let's wrap the show up now with our parting gift. Anthony, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? I do. Uh, this is uh, perhaps the best uh, combination of things I love in the world of music. Uh, I was, I'm was i a huge Weezer fan. I grew up on Weezer, um, and I love the 80s and 80s music. And Weezer this week covered Africa by Toto. Whoa. It's on Spotify. Listen to it on repeat for the whole week. Is it good? Did they like do a, a take oh, it's on re- it? It's real good. Uh-huh. Well, no, it's not so much a take. It feels like Weezer kind of ch- trying to channel Toto. It's uh-huh. good. It's great. It's not like – it doesn't sound like you know like a pop or like a rock version. It sounds like it, but it has that Rivers hmm. singing it is still – it's great. It's great. Oh, I'm definitely going to check that out. Uh, Christian, how about you? What do you got for a parting gift? Uh, Brian Michael Bendis is Brian Michael Bendis is a god and can do no wrong. Uh, when it comes to comic books, I think Man of Steel number one came out as a weekly book, or they say it's a weekly book. I guess it's not a weekly book until next week's. <laughs> With him, though, I believe it, man. That guy can do weekly, right? He, and yeah, they got he, artists he lined up. Yeah, the first issue is out. It is phenomenal. Um, there's so many questions that it raises, but it still is such a wonderful take on superman already where you can tell that he's going through some hard times but he's still bright and a beacon yeah and i'm so fascinated to see how this story handles the man of steel in 2018 but i think uh bendis is off to a great start and check it out i'm reading it uh via comiXology but go to your local comic book shop if you can check it out or however you can get a hold of it i think it is incredible and i hope the run continues to be as good as this first issue is totally second that i really enjoyed that first issue myself as well the only downside is that it didn't exist before the dc movies started happening because i feel like it would have colored their i think it's a reaction to it it is but also i wish that it had been kind of what they did (laughs) <laughs> sure, but there's a splash page. Are you reading it digitally, or do you have a yeah? I, hard copy? I, I did it on the uh, the DC app. Because there's that cover of like of the Justice League. Yeah, and it's, I'm just like, oh my, yes, this just in that picture. Yeah, there's so much hope, and it's yep. it's great. And you know what? We'll get more DC movies again. It's not going to go away. And maybe ten years from now, they can look back and use this to do the next run. Yeah, one hopes. One certainly 
hopes. Hey, we got a listener suggested call-in, or excuse me, call-in, <laughs> parting gift. Uh, we got a listener parting gift. Uh, this was sent into dlcfeedback at gmail.com. It's also where you can send any comments or questions you have about the show. We appreciate that. Uh, this comes from uh, Jonathan Ashley. He says, hey, guys, I've been making it a habit to watch a TED Talk every day when I get into work, and it's been excellent. Starting each day with a motivational story or a thoughtful idea has helped get those mind gears working. I saw one today that I thought would be good for a parting gift. It's from one of the talking heads on Fox News, Sally Cohn, who's kind of a behind enemy lines there as a lesbian. It's only five minutes long, and it's about how we need to focus on emotional correctness even more than political correctness. Check it out. Well, check it out. I did, Jonathan, and I can heartily recommend it as well. It's it's brief, but it is uh, really uh, impactful and interesting and frames the discussion in a different way. Uh, again, that's Sally Cohn, K-O-H-N, and uh, the name of her TED Talk is Let's Try Emotional Correctness uh, at TED.com slash talks. Uh, my parting gift is uh, another move, uh, another uh, thing that kind of uh, reframes the conversation, For at least for me it did. Uh, it's an amazing documentary that comes out this Friday. Got a chance to see it a little early. It's called Won't You Be My Neighbor? And it's a documentary about... Mr. Rogers, and my goodness, uh, I did not stop crying through the entire 97-minute runtime. I am honestly was just bawling throughout it. It's beautiful. He was a beautiful man uh, with a beautiful message of kindness and listening, and it this feels like it should be required watching for all human beings in 2018 because it reminds you how powerful that stuff is and how we can just be good to each other. Let's just try being kind. What about that? It's not. It's not really not hard. Won't You Be My Neighbor will be in theaters. It's from the same guy that did uh, 20 Feet from Stardom, which is another phenomenal documentary that you can watch on Netflix. I highly recommend about backup singers in the 60s. Uh, but Won't You Be My Neighbor will be in theaters on Friday. I urge you to go check it out. You will not regret it. All right, guys, that's it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Anthony Tarmina and Christian Spice for hanging out with me. Again, Next week is E3, so we are going to have extra episodes. Uh, there will be an episode Sunday night and Monday night, and uh, and then you know another one the, the following week talking all about E3. So I hope you'll be back to us for that. I want to thank our musical contributors, Patrick L., Zero Star, and, of course, Sean Madigan for all of his bumpers, but especially that uh, E3 hype train bumper. We are on it now. Uh, thanks to all of you who hung out live and listened to us in real time. We appreciate that. And thanks to all of you that download the show as well. We'll be back next week, the biggest week of gaming. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.